Hello and a big welcome back to the podcast. Uh, first podcast back in, in a long, long while. Um, and on today's episode, we're going all in with Ross Byrne. Uh, this is one that I'm really looking forward to. Um, Ross is someone I've obviously looked up to in the fitness industry, a uh, fellow Irishman. Um, and yeah, I've learned a lot from just following him uh, and the muscle mentors in general. So excited to get stuck into this one. Uh, Ross, firstly, obviously, welcome onto the podcast. Uh, what's Don't the crack? Worry, bro. I'm good, mate. I'm very, very good. Very, very rarely am I supposed to crack on a podcast. Um, but yeah, man, I'm very, very good. Very busy. Um, New Year, kind of really picking things up at the moment. Um, you know, a lot of guys starting prep, a lot of guys getting into the depths of their off-season, a lot of consultation, education stuff on the line. Super busy, but uh, couldn't be much happier, dude. Um, not too long ago, yeah. I actually moved out of Ireland and moved to the UK, um, which is obviously a big change. But uh, just, just good to be here. It's good to be kind of around the people that I need to be around. And I think when you're in that space where, you know, everywhere you go, you're kind of surrounded by the people who are kind of, you know, in your area and in your field. It's always a really positive thing. So very, very happy to be here. Missing home, but I'm very happy to be here. I think when you're from, like when you're around home all the time, I think there comes a point where you feel like you've outgrown it a wee bit and you realise environment is key. Like, so you're willing to go wherever wherever you feel like you need to go. Yeah, and I think for, I think for a lot of people, it's a really easy decision. Um, honestly, admittedly, man, it wasn't for me. If I'm honest with you, I found it really difficult. Um, I'm a, bit, I'm a big family man, so I've got a newborn yeah. nephew, I've got my sister, my brother, my brother's girlfriend, my dad, my ma, the dog at the time, uh, God rest his the dog died there a few weeks ago, but uh, it's, um, it was I'm a big family man, I love where I'm from, I'm from like this kind of outskirts, little Dublin village in the kind of heart of the mountains called Stepside, um, very, very small, kind of tight-knit yeah. community, everyone kind of does the same thing, and bet into the family WhatsApp group looking for pictures of the nephew, I've become that person. Who looks for pictures of kids? Yeah, <laughs> um, I, never, I never thought I'd be that person. Send me a picture of them there eating some cereal, and I'm like, oh, look how adorable he is. You know, I've got kind of very solidified in my adulthood, and I'm looking for pictures of my nephew just to laugh and giggle at. You know, from halfway across the country. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a cool thing. Like, like you said, you know, being able to kind of get into a space where you are the little fish was a big part for me. It was a big, big deciding factor for me. So. I'm not saying that when I was back home in Dublin or when I was back home in Ireland, that I was the guy or I was the big fish, but slowly I kind of started to find myself just sitting a little bit further outside of the the realms of thought about a lot of people around me. You know, like people were kind of thinking differently to me, be it they were thinking a little bit more old school than I was, or maybe they were just thinking on a different line of paths as far as bodybuilding and coaching and education for me. And I just, I just didn't really feel like that's where I needed to be to grow as exponentially as I wanted to do. So the day that I was offered the Muscle Outdoors, uh, job i was sleeping downstairs in my parents house and uh, there was a squat rack bolted to the wall uh, and the depths of lock the depths of lockdown had just started uh, yeah, i actually remember uh during lockdown and stuff seeing your videos and stuff and you you sort of diy jobs there <laughs> yeah I mean, like it's funny like i've got a really great supportive family my man and dad like super because there's very few I, I was very lucky i slept downstairs so i sleep in a room i slept in a room downstairs because there's loads of people in my house um small kind of council estate house loads of people in it I just came, I came into my dad. My dad's and my dad's like a sick handyman. He does everything. He's done everything you can possibly imagine. <laughs> so I came, I came into my dad and I was like, "Dad," and he was like, "Yeah." I was like, 
can I put a squat rack in the wall? And he jumped up, never seen my dad in his 60s, never seen him jump over sea fast. He's so bored. <laughs> he was so bored. He said, yeah, let's do it. He got like the best kick he possibly He went into his work. I'm not going to say where he works, but he went in and he robbed a load of kick. Came, came back, came back <laughs> ready to rock and roll, balled, put a to the wall. It was absolutely deadly. Um, so we ended up getting that rack up. Now, obviously, it was a good kind of adventure at the time. It was really, really fun. I remember a lot of traction being built off the back of it. I remember a lot of people really interested because I think I was kind of like one of the kind of earlier people that really put a gym in their house. Um, yeah. And I remember calling it the isolation station. And uh, that was yeah. isolation point one. And uh, I bolted the rack to the wall. And I had, a, I, had a, I had a good run of training there. At that point in time, when that went up, it was kind of June-ish, July kind of time leading into that point of the year. Um, and I think at that point, I, I just signed up with Cal and stuff like that as well. That's kind of where all the, the, the kind of um, the springboard kind of started. Um, so I was, I was very, very lucky to kind of find myself kind of exponentially moving forward in a couple of months, you know. And it's not that I ever expected it. Um, you know, I kind of speak yeah. about the, the muscle mentors thing, which is... The most important part of my career, barring, you know, the most um, special, special element that's ever happened to me in my entire life, actually. Um, so mm-hmm. I look back on that very, very fondly. And I've, I've had people ask questions about it before, you know, because the muscle mentors are the muscle mentors. You know, they are, they are arguably the most well-known coaching collective. Oh, I would, I would say, I'd say UK, Europe, I'd say arguably the world. Most people know who the muscle mentors are, um, which is an amazing thing to say. It's an amazing thing to be part of. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, always kind of struck me with it is that you know like, how did i apply you know how did you apply to the muscle mentors when yeah. you put your i had absolutely no idea it was coming um i can i can obviously yeah. say i had absolutely no idea it was coming and uh it kind of came out of nowhere to be honest with you it really really did so i'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later on down the line but i'm gonna take you back a wee bit uh yeah. and just sort of work our way work our way off so Obviously, grew up in Dublin, seemed to enjoy Dublin uh, a good bit. Growing up, coming through school and stuff, uh, did you play any sport? Because I noticed a, a theme within the fitness industry is a lot of people that are doing it now sort of came from a sort of sporting background, played a sport, maybe got injured and stuff. So did, did you have any sports growing up or anything? Yeah, I, I dipped my hand in a lot of stuff. Um, so my home, my dad, my brother, massive football fans, big Crystal Palace, big Celtic fans. Um, very Palace, that's, that's a random, very, very obscure football team. My dad, <laughs> my dad used to live in London. My dad lived in London for a long time. Um, spent a lot of time in London. Spent a lot of time in the streets in London. And uh, he was an absolutely massive, massive Crystal Palace fan. He used to live outside Selhurst Park. Him and his mate moved into a house. In the, <laughs> like, I think I think Selhurst Park's near Croydon, no like one of the roughest areas of London. Yeah. He moved in just so he could be close. So my dad, my dad, no problem with that. But he lived in a really, really good, <laughs> like, literally right beside the main gate. He loved Crystal Palace. So big football house. So I played football for a long time. Um, now, when I was growing up, to not put too much of a damper on things, I had, I had some issues with my head growing up, um, kind of like in my really early stages, I had this kind of propensity for anger. Um, and they kind of need, like, I couldn't channel it a lot of the time. Now, I was going to see people over it, and again, it's not to kind of dwell on that too much. Obviously, I've got to well over it now. But I actually started martial arts when I was about seven or eight. Um, I started right. traditional, just a traditional karate was where I first started. Um, and I without sounding like a, I took to it like a duck to water and kind of from the moment I was kind of 10 up until I was 19 for about kind of the good to 12 years I had won the national championships every year I fought on the Irish national team I trained with the I trained for the Olympic team um, I won stage what was going oh, to be yeah. the Olympic team now yeah but I, had, I, I absolutely was obsessed with it high level then yeah pretty high level so I fought with a group called Onakai um, so Onakai are like the governing body of traditional martial arts in, in Ireland this was like before martial arts was like the thing to do. This was like before the, the MMA craze. Before, before McGregor time. Craze. Yeah. So I guess I could say I was doing it before I was cool. Uh, that could, that could yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of like where I really, 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 
football. I played a little bit. I buy my skateboard a little bit here and there. I also BMX a little bit here and there. But eventually, everything kind of funneled out of the way, and I very much focused on martial arts. Um, so I was training kind of five, seven days, five, seven days a week. Uh, and do you feel like that? Do you feel like doing that actually did help you then overcome? Oh, bro, I had zero. I've, um, I had zero capacity for discipline when I was growing. Not so much discipline. I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't misbehave. But I couldn't concentrate. I had very, very low attention span. And to this day, it's still kind of seeps in here and there. Um, so I had a very, very low attention span in terms of like, if I've seen something I was interested in, I'm never going to take my eyes off it. But as soon as something else interests me, that's what I'm interested in instead. And to this day, when I'm doing my work, if I, come up, if I see a term, if I'm looking through a research paper and I see a term, I'm like, what is that thing? All of a sudden, two hours later, I've abandoned it. You need to know. <laughs> I'm going down the other way. So it's a good thing and a bad thing. But my attention span was really, really poor at the time. Um, so what martial arts taught me was attention. And patience and you know if you anyone who's going to get involved in any kind of traditional martial arts and has been in any kind in the past you'll know that there are kind of certain clubs and certain groups where you'll grade incredibly quickly you know which is just not right you can't do that like it took me 12 and a half years to get my damage to black belts it took me a long 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 time to get to that yeah. point so you know the good 12 13 years it took me to get there and it's not easy you know and that taught me a lot of this one used to have a, a really really kind of hardline badass sensei called Kevin Smith and to this day I haven't seen I've talked to him in a long time. But um he was just this really, really kind of overpowering, very kind of, you know, just kind of the presence of a man. And, you know, it just taught me a lot of discipline, taught me a lot about kind of how to maintain attention and, you know, the power of maintaining attention and consistency. You know, martial arts taught me all about consistency, mm-hmm. like showing up every single time because I was never a naturally gifted individual at anything. You know, I was never somebody who had like opponent for football. Like my, some of my best mates are exceptionally good footballers and play to a high level now. I've got mates who are exceptionally like Gaelic footballers and all sorts of different sports. And my partner, Grace, is like one of the most genetically gifted people is that any, anything she does, she's sick at. Me, I have to slog at everything. <laughs> all around her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And me, I'm just going to sit in here just, you know, like half-assing, kind of slogging at everything I do. Um, so I think when I started martial arts and I realized I could be quite good at it, and the only reason I was able to be good at it was through the work of my own, with my own thing. I was never really a team guy. You know, I was always mm-hmm. someone who had their own opinions on things, had their own way of doing things. And being in traditional martial arts, it was your own thing. Yeah, you were kind of part of a group and you were part of a club, but all the work was your own, you know. And Yeah, I think you're, you're not relying on anyone uh, when you're on your own. Like, it's, it's, all... your own, it's your own. Nobody can make you, excuse me, nobody can make you do the training. Nobody can make you sit there, you know, in planks for upwards of 15 to 25 minutes is what we used to do and just sit there. You know, nobody can sit there and tell you to put your hands above your head while somebody just smashes you, you know, and like nobody can tell you how to do that. Nobody can do that for you. Um, and like yeah. a lot of that would have been a massive, massive part of my eventual kind of lead up into uh, kind of going towards training and personal training. So I had zero, zero, zero plans to go to personal training, like zero. I chose to go into personal training about two weeks before the course started. Um, so I was okay. in obviously six year in school. So anyone who's in the UK, like pretty sure six year is the same as A levels. I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I was doing what's called my leaving cert. So your leaving cert is like your final exams. And about <laughs> about five or six days before the leaving cert, I had a very very close bereavement. Someone died that was really close to me, and uh, I ended up kind of at that point going into this. I don't want to say this kind of cesspit of emotion, but I wasn't really able to do too much after that. Um, but the time the exams mm-hmm. came around, I also ended up getting a hiding a couple of days later and kind of ripping the tendons in my hand. It was a whole mess. By the time I ended up sitting there through the exams, I could not give a shit. I just didn't care anymore. You know, six, seven. Yeah, you're like, this. Like, yeah, exactly. And I was never a bad student ever. I was never. I was never misbehaved. I was actually. I was quite. I was able to kind of be relatively in the space of education. Loved English. Loved history. And um, my original plan was actually to go and be an English and history teacher. That was my game plan. 
Um, that's what I originally planned on doing. Yeah. That drop that drop fourteen days before you know, literally, or sorry, not even like five or six days before the exams. Um, so I had this bereavement. I ended up getting a hiding a couple of days later. My hand was all busted up. I had to get an emergency writer, and this all happened within something like seventy two hours ish, a little bit more. So I was like, I was like, you know what? Fuck this! But I got my sat down. I was like, I could not give a rat. And I fondly remember sitting there in my Irish exam. And the writer going, do you want to write anything for this? And I was like, I just looked him dead in the eye. And I was like, honestly, mate, I could not give a fuck. I don't care. <laughs> write whatever you want. <laughs> I think I wrote my name and I answered some of the short questions in the Irish exam. And that's all I did. Um, and the rest of them went okay. But I, I, I basically failed the league. So I, got, I got a weird grade. I got like A in English and history and everything else failed. <laughs> you know, I just didn't care. So I was very, I was kind of unlucky in that respect. But my debriefment that was... That kind of happened. It was well known around the area. It was kind of a big one. So I was very lucky. The school kind of knew about it and the school looked after me. I, I went to St. Benilla's College in uh, Kilmacud as well. So I will say that. <laughs> so okay. listening, obviously, I'll just shout out to Benilla's. But uh, yeah. they were always, they were always very, very good to me. In times when my head was a bit at me, um, in times where I needed to go and train in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world, I had to go and fight in. They were always really, really good to me and allowing me to do that kind of thing. They were, they were exceptionally, exceptionally good staff. Um, so I was very lucky that I had a guidance counselor at the time who said, you know, you're into your martial arts. Why did you go into personal training, fitness, all this kind of stuff? And I was kind of slowly getting into the fitness end of things. Trained like an idiot, but didn't really realize that I was trained like an idiot. Um, at that point, yeah. I was coaching children as well. So I'd been coaching kids in martial arts at that point for a year or two. So I kind of knew coaching was something I was able to do. Teaching was something that was my thing. Um, and I was a couple of weeks into the personal training course eventually I actually went to Bray, which is the Biffy, which is like a PLC, like, you know, like real, kind of, not to say run, run down college ran, but it wasn't like, anyone knows Biffy, which is a place in Bray, it's a, it's a further education college, yeah. I don't know, it's fucking, it's not, it's no UCD, do you know what I mean? So I ended up going, and okay. I actually ended up leaving the personal training course after a while, but by the time I was in there, by two or three weeks into it, I was like, this is what I want to do, like, this is my thing. And I went absolutely really? all in on it. No pun intended. I went absolutely all in. Um, and I buried myself with education. Like, buried myself. I learned everything I possibly could. Now, was some of it applicable? Probably not. But it was the, the action of learning for me. I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. know if it was right or wrong or indifferent, but I was reading everything. Everything I'd get my hands on. Anyone I could listen to. I was like, this is for me. And I fondly remember being in the exams, not in the exams, pardon me, in a lecture, or whatever you want to call them, lectures in a class, or, and the lecturer at the time said something about creatine that was wrong. And I just, I was like, that's not true. <laughs> that's kind of sad. I was like, oh, so there's something different about this, you know? Uh, and that led to a kind of a, a little bit of frustration. Yeah, I, I ended up not coming back. Uh, I, ended, I ended up kind of leaving and they kind of, they gave me this kind of random reason as to why I can't come back. Um, I think at the time, there was, <laughs> yeah, it was like a soccer teaching course. It was like a part to teach how to train. It just how rad that random that course was. You had to be a soccer teacher. Yeah, just three and hundred. Yeah, and I'd lost interest in soccer fucking years ago. You know, all I cared about was fighting. Yeah, that's all I cared about. So I failed that because I didn't give a shot, and they were like, oh, "That's why you can't come back." I was like, "You know what? Whatever, it doesn't matter." Um, so to this day, I'm technically not iTech certified as a personal trainer, but I did end up going. And I mean, anyone who's a little bit older or potentially started just the same age as I did. So I was like 17, 18 when I started coaching. I was really over 10 years ago. Um, they might remember who Charles Poliquin is. Um, so Charles mm -hmm, Poliquin yeah. is like the original fitness educator, charged, uh, Canadian guy, the, the original fitness educator. He put up stuff that people weren't able to talk about. He knew things that people didn't know. He was predicting things before they happened. Uh, massive, massively well-known Olympic coach, the kind of godfather of uh, coaching education. So I done uh, his... PICP level one and two is what I did. So they're not technically officiated, but they will be to a way higher standard than your standard personal training course. So I've done level one and two. Yeah. 
Um, I done that while I was working as a fitness instructor for another private gym that I started in. Um, this is when I was 18, 19, I think, around that kind of age. And then after that, then I eventually just left that gym. Your man who ran the gym ended up being a little bit of a dick. I'm not going to mention the name or the gym because he's still an active trainer. Um, but he basically, he, what he was, I was doing about 70 odd hours a week. Um, and I didn't really know what a personal trainer makes. You know, I didn't, I didn't really know what kind of money was involved. I was getting paid like a fiver an hour. So as you can, so as you can imagine, it was Jesus a massive, Christ. massive, massive slog of work for a very, very little return. Um, and yeah. it was just a pain. I didn't really know all that. It also turned out he wasn't paying my tax. It was not, there was all, I wasn't registered as an official employee. I never signed a contract. It was very, very messy, but it was just my own. Messy. Yeah. I was new. I was there for about a year or two. Um, and it just ended up having to pack itself there. But after that kind of time, then I started to go out on my own. Um, and I joined the kind of big box gym as a personal trainer. Uh, and I was very, very lucky that I was able to kind of, I don't want to say crack the code of the big box gym, but a lot of people do, they look down on the big box gyms. You know, I appreciate it. There's Pure Gym, there's Fly Fit, there's Gym Group, there's all these kind of ones that we know well. And they're, the, they're the places where you're going to really learn to perfect the, probably the most important elements of your craft, Barney, and that's communication. You know, you're, you are mm -hmm. never yeah. going to be able to learn more about communication than in those big box gyms. And you yeah. have to be you're one in front of everyone, like. Yeah, and you have to be deadly at speaking to people. You know, like you have to be really, really good at speaking to people. You know, and I remember being told by I think I, I don't think I was told by he was listening to a Mark Cole's podcast, um, and he just said to me, he says, "Learn everyone's names and learn what they do." And I just said, "You know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do." So I was down there seven days a week, where I was PT, whether I was working, whether I was not, and I stood in the gym floor. I stood in the gym floor and I asked every single fucking person who came into that gym. What the name was? <laughs> I swear to this day, I can probably look. You didn't get reported or anything. I didn't get no, because it was it was like it was obviously in a nice way. It was like, oh, welcome to, welcome to the gym. I worked. At, anyone knows. I worked in a fly fit. Um, I worked in a fly fit, which is fine. Or good, or good chain. Um, they can be the kind of upper echelon, so it can be hard to deal with. But for somebody entering the gym industry, it can be really, really good. So I ended up going and working for fly fit. I did that for a good while. Um, and that was probably the first time I ever felt like, oh, I could, I could be busy. Like I could, I could be busy. I could handle lots of people. So not that I enjoyed doing classes. And to this day, I fucking, I look back on some of the things I used to do in the classes and the spin class <laughs> and pump classes. I done all that, you know, I did all that. And everyone shot yeah. in a really poor light on all that, you know, the kind of way. And I'll speak about those a little bit more because I do have a cool point that they always give to people who are kind of in that space and in that realm of things. Now, uh, you know, that, those classes and those pump class were the absolute saving grace for me. They were, they absolutely were. Oh, uh, you just go in there and, yeah, you don't agree with them. Yeah, you think the fucking the burpees are stupid, the jump squats are stupid, the music is too heavy and all this kind of shit. But you do learn how to speak to people, how to get people to be attracted to you, how to get people to come and speak to you. And I was out the door busy for a small period of time in Fife, out the door busy because of classes and talking to people at the door. Yeah. Because people really appreciate when you know about them. Do you know that kind of way? It wasn't made up, you know, I, I genuinely wanted to know what they did. You know, I'm quite a talkative person. I'm, I'm quite an open individual. I love to darn about people. I love to be open with people, my own things, my own struggles, my own past. So like, I guess for me, it was, it was genuine interest as well. So like, I think when I heard somebody say, oh, learn all their names, it wasn't the thing where some people would listen to them and hear that and they might be a reserved individual. They might be, geez, I don't want to talk to people I don't know. I was like, okay, cool. I'll talk to all the people I don't know. I love that. I love, I love doing that anyway. You know, so I just sit at the vending machines. I remember I'd sit at the vending machines back up against the wall. Everyone would come to the vending machine to there buy a drink or they come over, they put their gear down. And I'd be like, okay, cool. And that's the same routine. They put their bag down. I'd say, how are you getting on? And then I chat to them as much as I could. Not at, at no point was I trying to sell them anything. No point. 
there's, yeah. there's, there's a continuum. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah the, your, your personality is probably selling itself, like. Yeah, not even that, man. Like, yeah, like you, you, can, you, you can be a prick and be a really good personal trainer. Some people really like that. Some people like that kind of dickhead attitude, you know? It's like, yeah, just fucking... Yeah, dead, <laughs> hard not. Yeah, never eat an apple again, you know, put coconut oil in your coffee, all that kind of stupid bullshit that people talk about back in the day, you know? And, like, <laughs> if you can just, like, speak to people and be genuinely interested in what they have to say, it kind of works off a continuum. And, you know, a lot of the business coaches now, they use a similar continuum, it always reminds me of it. Obviously, it's, it's, it's advanced and it's changed now for the online space. But, like, one of the things that we can often look at is, like, when you're looking as a PT, when you're a coach and you're entry level, it can be really daunting. Like, I can't imagine how hard it is now to come in as an entry-level coach. Because when I started, it wasn't really online coaching happening yet. You know, this, not, yeah. I'm not like, showing my age, but I'm not actually that old, only 26. But I started really young. I started coaching yeah. in around kind of 17, 16, 17, 18 is when I started coaching. So, like, when I first started, online coaching wasn't really a thing. And if it was, you didn't really hear about it. So, I can't imagine how difficult it is to kind of come in now when you just have like an exponential growth of the fitness industry, where just there's people who have high level education, certifications, people who are just so far ahead of the game whereas compared to where you are, it must be a really daunting experience. And for me, I had similar issues with yeah. people in person. It was more for high level educators that I went to see in person. And one thing I will say that still applies today whether you're online or in person is use the continuum, you know? And again, when I say use these things, I'm not trying to use like selling tactics or anything like that. It's more a case of just like trying to make sure you're aware the run thing so initially what you're doing is you're getting to know them so know them show them and then sell them you know and that's usually how it works yeah. you know them first you show you know them first and then you show them how good you are and then you can sell to them you know mm -hmm. and when you're genuine in that process they will eventually buy from you 100 they will because yeah. you have the tools that you need to do the thing that you want them to do so despite the fact that i hated doing those fucking classes to this day i think about them i cringe Every single time, every time, because the things I used to say, the way I used to behave, the jumping around, <laughs> the fucking the dancing left and right on the spin bike, all this. I, I cannot stress enough just how important that was for me to actually have. It was part of the process, like. Of course it was, and it gave me the finances I need to go and pay for education. That's all I cared yeah. about at a point in time was just getting really good at coaching. That's all I cared yeah, about. Really short, short, short. Yeah. Short-term sacrifice of dancing around, like for the yeah. long-term gain. Of it. Yeah, exactly. Because it seems like it's gonna, it seems like you're gonna do it forever. And some people thrive in that environment. My best mate Jay, um, he works in a big box gym and has done for a couple of years, and he is absolutely flying at doing the same things that I was doing that I wanted to not do. He thrives in that environment. <laughs> you know, that's his thing. Yeah. You know, and he loves High that. energy, sort of. Yeah, and he does exceptionally well. You know, now I think he's moving on to bigger and better things at the moment, but he's an exceptionally, exceptionally like well-endowed trainer. Do you know what kind of way? And um, his education stuff is not as important to him, but just being the guy and um, that people are attracted to is his thing. Yeah. And he uses it and his business to boom because of it, you know? Yeah, if, cool. if he's having an impact on people, I think that's the main thing anyway. Um, like he's still having an impact on people that maybe wouldn't relate to you as such. So yeah, exactly. Right. We need like you need people. You need people in every sort of department. Like yeah, you do. You need people on every on every side. You know that kind of way, depending on who you're going to be. I think. Uh, I think with the like obviously with the exposure that we have in terms of kind of who sees me and who I see, you can kind of feel like you're in a singular box of individuals who are interested in one thing and one thing only. That's being like, the best physique coach you could possibly be, which is where I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, my end my end goal is to be the best physique coach in the world. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. I want to be the yeah. best physique coach and a high level educator within that space. I want to be the best in the world at it. Um, and I think for some people, that's not what they want. And that's absolutely fine. You don't have to want to be the best physique coach in the world. You just want to be the best coach for gen population. That's absolutely incredible because they're the people who need it the most. 
you know, it's just not where my hat sits yeah. anymore. It's not where my skill set sits anymore. The same rules apply though. The same rules apply. You want to be the best yeah. coach you can possibly be. It takes certain elements to go and do that. You know that kind of way. So there's certain aspects of coaching that are universally applied as far as kind of their their validity and their validity, their validity and their kind of their, <laughs> their impact on your business. Do you know that kind of way? Now I'm not saying that yeah. I am the ultimate business coach because I have like certain opinions on the whole business coaching space, you know, I do. And it's not, I don't disregard them. I think they're incredibly valuable. And I wish I had them when I was starting because I would have invested in yeah. 70%. But um, I think part of the things that we were going to speak about was kind of like, like if, uh, tips for kind of beginner coaches, you know, when you're jumping on Instagram and anyone's listening to this, who's a new entry level coach, even yourself, if you're kind of in the newer stages of it, every time you jump on Instagram, you are very much bound to see a post that is either a business coach celebrating somebody's 10K month, or it's going to be somebody talking about the amount of client intakes that they have that week, or yeah, I have five spaces and only five spaces left when they actually have 25, like all this kind of stuff, which is perfectly reasonable to do. Nobody is denying that there's a bad thing to do. It's absolutely no problem to sell yourself in coaching. That's not the issue. But one of the business, long-term business moves that you can make, and take this from somebody who's doing this like a decade, is to get fucking shit hot at your job. Be it seems so obvious. The best the best business advice I can ever give the coaches is be an exceptionally good coach. Like be yeah, an exceptional. The cream always rises to the top, I think. hundred percent, man, because like, yeah, you can go and you can be kind of shit at this. I know people who are shit at this job who make exceptional money, who make significantly more money than I do. But they're not very good at their job. But if you want to look at what coaching is is to you if coaching is just yeah. a money making thing and you just want to make you because there's a difference in being a coach and selling coaching they're two yeah. very very two very different things you can be a coach or you can sell I think, coaching i think it's becoming more apparent now though who who's more like interested in their impact the impact they have the coaching side of things the education side of things and who is just trying to yeah sort of hit that tip they're they're more focused on hitting 10k rather than helping so many certain amount of number of clients like so they're looking at their own numbers in my opinion sure, but, like, um I, th I think i think that will join the light once i think people are starting a wee bit to sort of understand that the only issue with the, the kind of this um the dwindling out kind of things is that the, the techniques that work now will be the techniques that work later you know because believe me it works the business advice yeah. that they give it works but it doesn't create passion it doesn't create joy. It doesn't create fulfillment. It, it your wallet's a bit thicker, you know. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't fulfill your job. Now, at the same time, if you are an exceptionally good coach and you use those tools to build an exceptionally profitable business, zero issue. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. But if you abandon being good at you your job, you get paid for what you're passionate for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because if you if you abandon being good at your job. And re and the primary focus for any coach, and I will take this to the grave, and I'll take and nobody can take me to well, allow me to disagree with this. A coach's number one priority should be to be an exceptional coach. And anyone, anyone yeah. who honestly disagrees with me with that, I will just I'll, I'll fight you to the ground. Do you know that kind of way? <laughs> not literally, obviously. But the reality situation is, if you're not a coach who's focused on being exceptionally good at their job, above all else, then what? Like, what is your job? Like, what are you doing? Like, what is the reason for you to do what you do? You know, because yeah. yeah, we get to help people and you can turn around and you can dress up the fact that you want to make more money in that term of, I want to help as many people as possible, you know, because when you start looking at people as profit instead of people, that's going to be a problem, mm -hmm. you know, because that's the issue. Yeah. You know, you see some of these business coaches, like they're literally saying, we're going to get you more sales. 
you, your sales, yeah. are real, they're real people and you're calling them sales. Are you for real? Are you like, they're not fucking yeah, you're just calling them prospects and yeah, prospects yeah. and and houses and like they're not houses, they're people and they're people who are desperate for help. Yeah, a lot of these people are being, yeah. are, being are seeing these people who they look up to and like, oh my god, I want this person to help me. And the reality is that some of these people do not give a fuck; they don't care. And it's it's a no. you know, I'm, it's, it's it's a harsh reality. Now, I'm not saying that anyone, anyone and everyone doesn't care except me. That'd be a, a stupid thing to say. It'd be so dumb. But there are genuinely people out there who are in a situation, who are in a headspace where they don't care about you. They don't care about clients. And it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing to see because I've always had this inclination, this headspace, you know, where for me, it's always been rule numero uno, you know, help people and do no harm. They're the two rules. Yeah. Like, well, do no harm and help everyone, you know, I'm sorry, not help everyone, help and do no harm, you know? And if you can like, if you can do that and you can abstain to that, you will be successful. You know, in a kind of way. Yeah. I think another... Go ahead, sorry. No, man, you go ahead. Crack on talking, I'm talking loads. No, I was just going to say, and uh, another point that you just made me sort of think about there actually was, for any tips as well, for anyone beginning now, is just be careful who who you're actually looking up to and who you're following as well. I think the likes of you guys at the Muscle Mentors and stuff, um, you know you're going to be provided with a good education and good values and stuff. Whereas I've, I'm not going to name any names, but I've seen a few sort of people a few coaches and their, like their business mentors and their coaches and stuff, and they're delegating sort of their one-to-one coaching, they're delegating their programs, they're they're delegating everything. They're not actually doing anything, but the person is buying into them, yeah. but they're not actually getting anything from the person. Like, and I just think... That's a big thing. You see it a lot. Um, I'm not part of any kind of uh, groups by which are kind of... Or, and I don't have any... You know, I say I don't have a business mentor. We actually kind of do. Um, the muscle mentors have had a massive amount of help from somebody called Ollie Carson. Um, so Ollie Carson is a yeah. British business coach, former owner of Condition by Carson, and he's just an exceptionally cool human being. Um, so he's one of the very few business mentors, in my opinion, who wants to make good coaches good income rather than just giving everyone good income. So mm-hmm. that's why I kind of like Ollie. So that's kind of a side point in that respect. He helps the team. He helps the muscle mentors in general, not me personally, um, but in general, he helps. Yeah. But there is that growing aspect of trying to delegate everything. I recently seen a screenshot from a certain business coaches group where it said, does anyone know of any services where I can delegate my programming? And mm-hmm. like, like, what are you doing for that person? Like, what are you actually, what is it yeah. you do? What is it you do? You know, because <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're just a face and somebody else is doing all the work, then that's, that is a massive red flag. You should not be doing this job. You should, yeah. A lot of people, I guess, I guess you're kind of not, are you really? Like you've, you've made everyone else do it. So you're kind of not doing the job, you know? And it's just, no. it, it makes me, it makes me upset. I think because I can honestly say, man, I love this more than anything on earth i love i love i I think i eat sleep and breathe coaching all i all i care about is coaching i am a coach first and an athlete second i i will drop i drop bodybuilding yeah yeah oh yeah man i I drop bodybuilding in as in a heartbeat if i if if, if i was given if i had to pick between the two and within two seconds i drop it my my kind of passion for bodybuilding is exuberated in helping people be better bodybuilders just as much as it is in my own endeavors you know i get the exact i get the exact same feeling literally the exact same when i see my athletes you know they do what they do and i see them move forward and i see them progress and i see them you know get to spaces they've never been before when they start kind of chasing down pro cards and they start getting to points where they're really in those top contending spaces and they can see that they're going to be there that for me is the, is everything that's all like that's all i ever care about and you know yeah um, I, I think for- that's right man no i was just gonna say i think from from all of you at the muscle matters you can see that coming through uh, and I think that's a that's a really sort of 
an aspect that draws a lot of people to you is probably uh, is you can see yeah. that passion and authenticity uh, and you can see even the likes of you Callum and stuff when your clients are doing well like these are the first ones to sort of hype them up celebrate them and um, show show them off and stuff and yeah but it's, it's I don't know it's just something it's all I ever really think about it's, it's weird you know and I always say to people that I think what made me think about it one day is if some, I think someone asked me would I love to win the Olympia and I said no I'd much rather sit in the crowd and watch my athletes win the Olympia much rather I would take that over. Yeah. I, would, honestly, I would take that over any day of the week. And there's not, there's not a remnant of me in the back of my head that says maybe you don't actually believe that. Like it's, it's, it's fully all I believe in. I would just, I'd rather sit in the crowd, you know, sit there, watch one of my athletes win, and then me to just know that I don't work in the background. You know, um, I like yeah. to be the guy who draws the map, who not to, but doesn't take the journey. Do you know, that's kind of where I like to be. And I'm very, I'm very, very happy to be, yeah. you know, the support network. And I'm very, very happy to be the person on the other end of a WhatsApp or the other end of a Loom. Because you know I'm not I'm not the, I'm not like a poorly genetically built individual I'm not but I know where my levels can go to and I know what I'm willing to do to get there you know at the end of the day bodybuilding is not a safe thing to do with the upper echelon so there's drugs involved there's high levels of food involved you're getting to absolutely exorbitant levels of body fat it's um, like it's, it's massive you know there's a big risk and it's not that I'm willing to do that but relative to what I know I can achieve within the sport it just doesn't make any sense to push my body that hard. You know, like I said, I think I spoke to yeah. this with uh, a client in the, in, I trained at FLF in Manchester, so big shout out to them as well. Incredible facility. And um, I was talking to a client who I work with kind of not one-to-one, -one, but he trains in the gym as well. I was speaking to him about it. I probably have about four or five years of bodybuilding in me, then I'm going to stop. You know, and that's the yeah. I've, I'm, I'm, I've been training a long time. And, you know, I think that by the time that kind of four or five year mark is hit, relative to what I want to do from a coaching space, I just won't have the, the capacity um, not to, to quote that meme. Um, I just don't have the capacity to, you know, bodybuild like I like I am now, and I'm perfectly happy to accept yeah. that. You know, in the way like I want a family, I want to potentially move back to Dublin and buy a house or build a house, and you know, that's more of a priority for me. And like I said, my passion for bodybuilding will not change. I'll just have, I'll just live vicariously through my clients, and I'm I'm literally more yeah. happy to do that. That's all I care about. I care. I can honestly say I care about my clients more than I care about myself. When it comes to my bodybuilding, I really do. Like, I, it's, it's very hard for me to not not say that when it's true. Do you know that kind of way? Obviously, yeah. right now where I'm in the depths of my own off season, I do have a big priority on myself to a certain extent. You know, I'm starting my prep now in May. Um, but I think long term, if you're going to get the lifetime value of my bodybuilding, like my, my attention is always going to be on them. Um, and yeah. I'm fully willing to accept that when the time is right for me to kind of segue out from my own bodybuilding and into theirs, I'll do that. Um, and I'll know when, it'll be, it'll, maybe it'll be two years, maybe one year, might be a couple of months, you know, whenever it happens, it'll happen. You know, I'll decide that, you know, it's time for me to turn my attention to them and not me. Um, and that's something I'm more than willing to do. I'm going to have a good crack of bodybuilding for the next couple of years, see what I can do, see what I can achieve in it. I have a kind of idea of where I want to go um, and kind of how far I want to push it. Mm -hmm. I think myself, maybe after this season, you know, I might push for a pro card, but after that, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much fulfilled. If I can be an Irish guy who's yeah, yeah. You know, come from come from X, Y, and Z, you know, not that well put together and crack a pro card, I'll be very happy. Um, I don't really think I need to worry too much yeah. more than that. But like I said, my coaching for me is the most important thing in my life. Uh, and it's just, like, even if I think about it now, man, I get like, I get, I get like legit goosebumps because of how much, yeah. <laughs> how much I want to do. And I can honestly say I believe in myself so much that I'm going to do it. You know, and a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, if you had to ask me if I was going to do what I'm doing now, I would have never, ever been able to say yeah, ever. You told me a year and a half ago yeah. uh, I was going to be on the Muscle Mentors. I'd have laughed in your face. Laughed in your face. Yeah, man. just... It's bad. Yeah, just on, just on that as well. Um, 
So once you, you've obviously, you did your coaching on the floor, moved sort of towards online. Yeah. yeah. And so, then when, when did you first, I was going to say, just when, when did you first sort of come across sort of Callum and Luke? Like, had you known about them before yeah, they were the muscle mentors and stuff? Cool or? So I knew of Luke and Callum back when they weren't the muscle mentors. So Luke on Instagram, anyone who's like an OG follower of Luke, though Luke was used to be called Biophysics, um, and Callum was CR Physique. Yeah. Uh, and they were both working out at two different gyms. They're going to swap over Halo Gym and Tunbridge Wells and M10. And I know Luke left to go to M10 and Kyle left to go to Halo and they swapped and all sorts of kind of stuff happened. So I knew who they were back then. Um, honestly, though, my first kind of like inspiration into kind of coaching education, was like, do you know who Gary McGowan is? You know, skinny guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used to see Gary waking up like half four in the morning bet into a textbook. Gary is one of the coolest people on earth. I fucking love Gary. He's, his knowledge is ridiculous. He's, he's just an exceptionally hardworking human being. And I, that is inspiring yeah. as fuck. The guy's leading a massive coaching company. He's doing a master's. Uh, he's doing medicine. He's doing everything. The guy does everything. He reads cool he's books. Crazy. You know? uh, he's crazy. He's, he's a really, really cool guy. And he's very open about his own his struggles with mental health, which is a big part for me as well. And uh, that sits with me so yeah. incredibly well. Um, he's an exceptionally talented human being. And kind of when he was kind of really getting into his own educational space, I was kind of just starting to life. And I was like, who is this fucking cool dude? Um, and I kind of really kind of invested in what he was doing and what he was learning. And that's really when the kind of educational orientated approach for me really took off. So that's kind of where all that started. And okay. Over the course of that couple of years, I kind of dabbled in and out of seeing what Luke and Kyle were doing. Eventually they started the podcast. So the Muscle Mentors, when he doesn't know, started out as a podcast. It wasn't actually a coaching collective. It was a podcast first. So the Muscle Mentors podcast was the thing that started, and that came out when I was actually in Fife. Um, and then I think it was 2018. Was 2018 that I finished my first prep? I believe it was. It could have been 2017. And the lads threw their, like, one of their first seminars on in UF in Birmingham. Uh, so I straight away bought it done. I actually, my mom bought my plane ticket because I spent all of my monthly income on the ticket to go there. I didn't, I didn't care. I just didn't care. You obviously realised how much you wanted to go, though. Yeah. My man, Dan, as I know, have been the most incredibly supporting people on earth. I went through um, a couple of stages where I was like, I think I need to stop doing this. I'm making no money. And well, actually, I'll, 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 I'll go back to that maybe at the end because that's more of like a home here, I think. <laughs> so anyway, so I, actually spent, I spent kind of all my money on getting over there, everything, the accommodation and the ticket. And I remember I went to like a shared Airbnb, so not even my own one, because I was like, I need to save the money on it. So I remember staying with this really, really cool girl called Sarah. I'll never forget it. I won't ever forget it. And uh, at that point, I just kind of started getting into bodybuilding. So I thought it was huge, you know, <laughs> it was really cool talking about the education and just kind of making shit up as I went along, you know. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I went to the course of the last two days. And I, I was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Like, how did these guys know this information? Like, what the hell? And um, yeah. Carl spoke about female physiology. Carl, Luke spoke about the gut. Um, Jane, I mean, I'll never all of it. Jane spoke about kind of coaching um, and being a good coach and coaching, coaching kind of ethics and all sorts of that. And I remember listening to them going, these guys are the most incredible people. Like, who are these people? I want to know more about them. I want to be more in their space. I want to, I want to talk to them. I want to be there. And... I actually think I ended up out of nerves. I think I said two words to Callum and I spoke to Luke about Lord of the Rings for about 30 seconds and I was like, you can't get out of here. You know, can't be around. These guys are too. Stage cool. bright. Yeah. And then at the end of the weekend, I remember Carl's girlfriend, who's girl's Carl's girlfriend called Hannah. Um, she's just a lovely, she's a lovely girl as well. Carl's girlfriend is a videographer and she was filming like kind of ref, she was filming testimonials at the end. And like, I'm not, I'm not a shy yeah. person, but I was like, right, what am I going to do here to kind of get myself into? Like, who wants to do a testimony? I was like, yeah. 
straight up, straight away. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the part of me was like, I want to show these guys the credit they deserve for what they did. But part of me was like, I wanted to know who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to be seen here. Like, went in, did the, went in, did the testimonial, they posted it and stuff like that. So eventually, kind of time continued to go on, continued to go on, continued to go on. I kind of really got involved in education. I took the slides. I was betting to them the whole time. I joined the portal, which kind of started. And I still wasn't working with either of them. I honestly, I couldn't afford it. Um, at that point in time, anyone who's anyone in the Irish fitness industry probably knows who Larry Doyle is. Um, so Larry Doyle is like the ultimate gen prop coach. Um, but he has also been a really well-renowned bodybuilder in Ireland and just one of my most, one of the most important figures in my career. So Larry was the, probably the only person at some point in time who believed that I could be any good at this. Um, and he took me under his wing for years and years and years, coached me for free for a long, long time. And, you know, he's seen something yeah. I didn't. And I really, really, yeah. like, hand on heart, appreciate everything he's ever done for me. He is one of the most exceptionally gifted and just cool human beings you'll ever come across in your life. And I really do think that he deserves all the praise in the world for keeping me on the straight and narrow in this. Because I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am now without him, a thousand percent. So I was kind of working with Larry at that time. Um, and kind of over time, I started to get more and more into the education. Eventually, I kind of dwindled out with Larry, kind of done my own thing for a while. And then at the end of 2018, I decided to go away. Uh, I said, I'm going to Thailand with my girlfriend. Um, we're going to go to Southeast Asia. And just before I left, I started to fall pretty ill. Uh, so I, was, I, I wasn't like ill, ill, but I thought it was, was something up. So I was kind of, I was using anabolics at the time. Uh, that only just started. And I thought it was kind of kick back from there. I didn't really know much like I know now. And I went to yeah. the doctor and they the doctor was basically like, yeah, you're basically just a gearhead. It's your own fault. Take these antibiotics, stop using gear and you'll be fine. I'll, like, whatever. I'll stop for a couple of weeks while I go away. At that point, I wasn't really doing anything too crazy. But it turned out it was something totally different, um, totally uninvolved. And uh, I actually had an immunosuppressive dermal infection. So my immune, my, my whole immune system shut down for a couple of months. I didn't, know, I, didn't, I didn't know about it. And I was away in Thailand. I broke out in, I broke out in this horrific cyst, like this block of cysts all over my body. Like not like acne, but like legitimate like cysts. And they were just horrible. They were all over my body. I'd say the panic. Yeah. The panic stations were worse on the fact yeah. that you were away. Like... So it was really, really hard. And that, when I was there for the first couple of weeks, it started to get worse and worse and worse. So I was like, this, maybe this is the antibiotics. Maybe this is this. Maybe this is that. Couldn't really figure out exactly what was going on. So eventually I said to Grace, I started to feel really, really unwell after about two or three weeks. I was not even about a week and a half. I was like, Grace, I think I need to go to the hospital. Uh, I was like, there's something not right. There's something not right with me. So I went to this random Thai hospital in the middle of an island. <laughs> and, uh, I just happened to go to the hospital where a skin specialist was. He just happened to be a, happened to be a thermal specialist. So I went in, I was like, I have acne, I need Accutane. So I was thinking, I'm in Thailand, they're going to give me all the drugs I want because I'm the rich white guy, you know, you know they're going to give me all, yeah. the, they're going to give me all <laughs> the things. And turns out it's not like that at all. The Thai medical system is incredible. The Thai medical staff are incredible. Um, and the doctor came out and said, do you mind if I have a look at your skin? I was like, yeah, I took my t-shirt off. I'll never forget it. He just boom, grabbed me by the wrist. He said, you need emergency treatment immediately. And his, his English, he sounded like an American dude. Like he went from like heavy Thai, you know, couldn't really understand what he was saying to perfect vernacular English. You need emergency treatment. I was like, what the fuck is happening? So my skin, I kind of wallowed, yeah. all the solid color drain from my face. I was like, what is going on? I was, hit, I was hooked to a drip um, in the middle of a Thai hospital for five days. So it turned out, like I said, basically I was about a week away from developing sepsis. And my immune system at the time watching would have killed me. So I was, I was, uh, I was exceptionally exceptional. Yeah, man, it's a crazy story. It's ex I was exceptionally lucky. He basically looked me dead in the eye and he goes, how did you know to come here? I was like, I didn't, I just knew I had to. 
And he's like, it's ridiculous. So basically what happened, my immune system had shut down a couple of months beforehand and my skin had broken out. And I think what was happening was that the infections from the skin lesions were getting into my blood. So that's why I started feeling mm-hmm. really, really ill. So it was actually the start. I was getting that starting point of infection, which would have been sepsis, and would have potentially killed me because of my immune system. So obviously it's a potential. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up having to ring my ma. So my ma, who thought I just had acne from, you know, her, her son getting the drugs, like, <laughs> you know, she was like, oh, my son's a gearhead, you know? So I rang yeah. her, I was like, yeah, ma, this turns out this was way more serious than we thought it was. Um, so I was hooked to a drip in Thailand for five or six days. I was given a list of medication as long as you're fucking arm, like so many drugs. I was given so many different, <laughs> about eight or nine different medications, about 16 to 20 pills a day I was taking just to get myself sorted. They did originally advise me to go home back to Dublin. Um, but my girlfriend and I, like, I was like, I was like, could I keep going? And they were like, yeah, you could, but you probably should go home. I was like, right, Grant, I'll stay. They were like, as soon as you get back, go to a dermatologist in Dublin and give them this letter. They're going to help me get a referral form, help me write it myself, blah, blah, blah. Going to let them know what was happening. Um, finished out the trip, but like within the trip, like I was at something like 45, 50 degrees in some places. Like, I think the highest we got was 47 degrees when we were in Bali. I couldn't take my T-shirt off. I couldn't get in the pool. I couldn't go directly in the sun. I had to wear the same three or four T-shirts the whole time because they were a special material that wouldn't rip my skin. Uh, so it was a really, really tough couple of weeks. Really, really tough. And I tried yeah, to- it wasn't, so, wasn't as enjoyable. Yeah, it was really hard, man. It was really, really tough. But the, the, the case in point is I went home. Um, I eventually got the treatment I needed. That's another story as well because that was another kind of tangent. I'm not going to keep it going. I eventually got the treatment I needed. Um, kind of finished it out. But at that point in time, because I was so ill when I got home, I still had to spend a lot of time out of work. Um, I wasn't really, I, mm-hmm. I became very mentally unwell when I got home, if I'm honest with you, because I was a bodybuilder. I cared about the way that I looked. I was the fat kid growing up. I was, I was the chunky fuck growing up. And, you know, I went into this space where I hated to look at myself, if I'm honest with you. And I, I, I have no problem talking about it. I think men, especially, we should be able to talk about when we cry. We should be able to talk about when we get upset. Okay. Like, I cried yesterday. So there's a cool thing for you. I cried. Yeah. I'm a big gear <laughs> and I cry daily. Uh, I went into a really, really bad mental head spin. Now, I grew up with a lot of depressive episodes, a really, really long-term bout of depression for about 13, 14 years. I had a really, really long spout of mental well, issues for a really long time. Just then a night of it, though? So, no, I'm actually, man, it was pretty constant. So I started when I was about five or six, they started to pick up, like I spoke to you, like I had those kind of issues of anger. Um, and they couldn't really pick up as to why I was such an angry child. So I would get angry for other people. So I someone would be upset. Mm-hmm. So upset. Who made you upset? And I would absolutely lose. And they couldn't understand why my threshold couldn't be like sympathetic. I would get angry, not at the person, but in general because they're upset. So they, they started to pick up yeah. issues. Like I definitely had anger management issues. It was almost like when some people get angry very easily, I could only really get angry. So that was when they started to pick up on when I was mm-hmm. a child. And kind of when I was like six or seven, I was going to anger management classes and like trying to manage things. So I was in and out of different kinds of therapies. But eventually when I got into kind of my early, my early teens, kind of late, kind of early blooming stage, kind of like puberty age, kind of 10, 11, I went through an awful state of being bullied in school. Um, partly because of where I was from, uh, kind of the money in my family, the, the council estate kid, you know, I was also the fat kid, that kind of thing. I know, I think in case of point, I wasn't, wasn't all that fat. But that really, really hurt me. And I got really, really upset about it. It was one of the reasons why I picked up martial arts was, you know, I could beat up the bullies, you know, that kind of thing. And like, the, 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 there's, there's no way to say yeah. I, I wasn't a scumbag. I wasn't a hard lad. But I knew how to look after myself from where I grew up and just kind of what I was, grew up, what I was brought up like. So they knew I would lose the head in school. So they picked on that. You know, I was kicked out of school a couple of times yeah. for, for violence. And, you know, like hitting, hitting kids when I shouldn't have. And, you know, I, I look back at it now and I look back and like, those, those young lads, you know, who, who I know to this day, I still know them to this day, they had no idea what they were doing. 
You know, I think that's the difference. Just seen an easy target kind of at that age. Like, like man, when, you, when I was a kid, man, if I wasn't dealing with the issues that I was, I could have been the bully. We all could have been the bully. You know, we all grow up. I know I see these lads daily. I, well, obviously not daily now, but I know of them. They follow me on Instagram. They message me. They like my shit. You know, I can't yeah. look back on these lads like they're evil people anymore. You know, that's another thing. It's a side point, but it's something you need to look at. As well. If you were somebody who was, who was bullied in school like I was, and I was, it was terrible. You know, and unless those people are still comes now, you know, in which case some people are. You know, just I try and like look at them as the humans that they are now. We're all immature, you know, and yeah, I went an awful stint of it, man. And kind of when I was then kind of 11 or 12, I think it was, I was put on antidepressants. Um, and I was one of the younger people who was diagnosed with depression at a very, very young age. And I'd say, I think it was 13 when I first started. Them. could have been a little bit older, but uh, I needed them at the time. You know, I was, uh, admittedly, I was, very, I was suicidal at the time. Um, and I was having horrible thoughts. Very young as well. Very young. Very, very young. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not as uncommon as people think it is. So I was very young and I would kind of say to my, I'd say to my mom, go through these episodes or something happened. I just tell my mom, I don't want to be here anymore. I kid, that's, that was my thing that I would always say. It's a horrible thing to talk about. It's a horrible thing to speak about, but it needs to be spoken about openly. I know this podcast is supposed to be about me, but any avenue I can get to talk about it, I will talk about it. Um, you know, yeah, it's, go uh, ahead. it's one of those things, man, where we need to be able to speak about it. So I was, I was, I think I was, I was almost lucky that I was younger because I, I grew up being able to be conditioned into how to manage it. So I went to these exceptional therapists, like amazing, amazing people. One of them in particular was called Bernadette, Bernadette Hussey. She's definitely not listening to this, but I'll, 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 Bernadette Hussey saved my fucking life. Saved my life. When I was really young, about 12 or 13, I kind of had all these emotions, didn't really know what to do with them. I got to smoking weed. And by Jesus, I smoked like a whore. Um, I, smoked, I, smoked, I smoked a lot of weed for a long time. Um, now, I would say it got really, really bad in my late teens. But I was using that to cover up how shit I felt all the time. You know, that's what it was. And that's yeah, what it was. And yeah. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not against weed at all. At all. I really, really am. I occasionally still kind of dip in and out of it if I feel like I need to. But for me, that was me funneling my depression into something that was, you know, going to manage and going to pull my emotions. And that's kind of where that kind of came from. And that's kind of where that went. And I ended up kind of balancing that between being antidepressants. And then I went through this stage of coming off antidepressants. Cause I thought they were killing me. You know, I, I got into that kind of stage where I was like, antidepressants are, they just know me a man. And to certain aspects, yeah. they did at certain points in time, different medications didn't agree with me. I did feel quite numb. At some points in time, I fall asleep in school all the time. And uh, the teachers were this part of why Benilda's was a special place for me is that the teachers actually knew. Um, they knew quite, they, my mom knew them, the doctors told them, and I was kind of, I was let off the hook with kind of like just falling asleep in the middle of class. And like, obviously <laughs> students didn't know they could. Use the advantage. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in the back of the class and my head would up and you'd hear the dump. <laughs> you know, it's like, I was depressed old Ross again. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> just stupid shit like that. But they were just super supportive, man. And I think I was about, I was about 19 then eventually when I finished school, I came off them. Um, it was actually around the time of that bereavement that I came off and I decided not to go back on them. I haven't been on them since, thank God. Now I've gone through little bouts of having to need help from Bernadette and different therapists again. And if I ever needed to go to therapy again, I would in a heartbeat. There's nothing wrong yeah. if you need help. Nothing wrong with it. I think everyone should just do it in general. Oh, man, um, everyone should do therapy. I know. Every, everyone should try it once. Everyone. Yeah. One of the most yeah, yeah, at least try it. Like 100%, man. It's the most powerful thing you can do. You're given, and people are like, oh, I can talk about that with anyone. No, you fucking can't. You know, you're, you're given a space to be open and honest about the way that you feel. And that is, that's, that's a novel thing. You can speak to your ma, you can speak to your dad, your friends, your brother, but it's not a universally indifferent individual. That's the difference. You have somebody who has no yeah. opinion. So someone the outside of the situation, like that's, that's where it is. And they're professional. So man, I would encourage any lad yeah. to listen to this, 
I do hope there is somebody, I, I don't hope there's somebody listening to this with depression, but if there is somebody listening to this who's going through it, man, either reach out to myself, yeah. either go and speak to somebody, you know, the kind of way, you know, we're not fucking, we're not concrete, you know, the kind of way, we're not robots. Yeah. Physique coaches aren't robots. Physique yeah. Physique aren't robots. I, I, it's very rare that I just sit there and kind of talk about it to any great degree of length, but it is important to speak about, you know, it's uh it's one of those things where if you are a dude or a girl, it's nothing to do with being a man. It's absolutely nothing to do with being a man. But historically, it's harder yeah. for men to talk about their feelings than this for women. Um, you know, I think I heard a horrible statistic that 60 men die in hell after suicide. And uh, that's a horrible I've seen that there. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible thing to think about. And, you know, and I've, I've had moments and I've had attempts. And, you know, it's like, it's it's that kind of thing where, you know, it, it's a, it's so much more prevalent than people believe it is. So if you are listening to this and you're feeling like, especially post-lockdown, you know, and all the shit that's gone on where all these things were heightened, just speak to somebody, you know, just have a chat about it yeah. because we're not all immune to it. You know, the, the, the fucking the most hard, strong dudes that you've ever come across in your life, they're all dealing with it, whether they know it or not. And we all deal with moments where we're just feeling a little bit more vulnerable or feel a bit more open, you know, and, you know, I spent fucking yeah. you know, 15 years I, feeling open. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's always, there's always a way out as well. I, I think that's something I've learned. I've, I've had suicide in the family and stuff and yeah. there's, like at my grandma was supposed to a simple way. Like he says, like there's there's people like sort of killing themselves because they hate their job or something. Yeah. They can leave the job. You know, like people are like nearly afraid to to take the step that like might get them out of something. So, um, just something to be aware of. Like there's there's always a no, step no, out, or no, there's no, always no, a no, backward no. step you can take to go forward again. All right, man. Nothing nothing is worth that kind of feeling. Nothing, nothing, no. nothing is worth it. No. Nothing, nothing should hold you to that. You know. But anyway, we'll move on. We'll get something a bit more positive anyway. Um, we'll keep cracking on that one. Yeah. I think we're talking about the whole Muslim Endorse thing. Anyway, so I went through that stint to be a little bit unwell. Um, and pardon, pardon me for going on the tangent. And eventually lockdown hit. So after that stage, I kind of, I'd been off. I'd been off drugs. I'd stopped bodybuilding pretty much. I'd stopped training. Um, and when lockdown hit, I was going to got that urge to get back in. The gyms were closed. I was very passively training. I couldn't really train. My skin was so sore. I couldn't really put any kind of pressure on it. It would just rip open. Um, so I couldn't really do too much in that respect. So... I ended up eventually kind of from lockdown here, building the gym in the house. And I remember using the COVID money at the time. At that time, I was on the COVID payment. I was on benefits at that time. And uh, I remember speaking to Grace, who had already started with my current coach and obviously kind of colleague now, Callum. Um, and she said, why don't you just start with him now? I was like, I told him I'll start with him now. She said, start with him now. I was like, you know what, fuck it. I don't care. Let's just do it. I just said, I'm going to do it. So I paid for the full mentor and we done the full, the whole kit and caboodle, the calls, the, the education, everything. I used my COVID money every month to get it over to them. Um, and I was very, very lucky that I think at that point in time, they started to kind of quote unquote, keep an eye on me. Um, I think that was when I, I never, I never asked them. I never, I've never asked the lads ever when they started to know what I was doing, when did they figure out who I was, et cetera, et cetera. But it was around that time as well that I decided I wanted to run a seminar. And I wanted to run a seminar. Yes. I had all, all, all this information in my head. And I was like, I need to say it to someone, <laughs> you know, because I'm not, I'm not mad on content. I've never really been able to post much content educationally because for me, what I've realized, and again, this is like a limitation to the educational space is when I know something, I want to say everything about it, everything. So I find it hard to write yeah. content that's, that's centered around one point because I just want to talk about everything so that nobody can pull me up on anything that I didn't mention. <laughs> I know it's a weird way of thinking about things, but it is the way I think about things. So eventually I said, you know what, I'm going to do a seminar. And I organized it was called Muscle for the Masses. And I canceled and rescheduled Muscle Masses for the three three or four times because of the COVID regulations. And then the last one Yeah, I was I was at, I was actually down I was gonna I was gonna go down to that and, <laughs> and then it was cancelled, yeah. So <laughs> a couple of people travel from the north, but eventually I think it was the twenty something of September, I think it was the twenty third of September, which was a Saturday, it was the Saturday and the Sunday. And uh 
on the Friday beforehand, they changed all the regulations. You can't have any indoor events. And I'd had the place organized to be indoors. I had the whole thing set up. I was like, what am I going to do? So I woke up at half two that morning, went down to the south side in Sandyford, moved everything from inside to outside onto the AstroTurf, marquees up, everything. I was like, I need to put that. I can't cancel this again. Do you know, it's like the Grinch thing. I can't cancel that again. So I was like, I can't. I had to go and get it so yeah. <laughs> Jump in, get everything up outside. And technically, you weren't supposed to have any more than 15 people. Now, I had 33. And like, I did it anyway. And to this day, I did go against the regulations. But to this day, I don't care. <laughs> I, really, I really don't. I did it anyway. <laughs> no, I did it anyway. Looking back now, I don't think a lot of people will. No, I don't think so. At the time, everyone was terrified. There was no vaccine. There was nothing. All of a sudden, the chairs were dead close together. <laughs> you know? Nobody ended up getting yeah. it. It was grand. It was that stage where it wasn't really as rampant. Down south was one of the worst places to it. Yeah, time, it was like... mad, man. And uh, eventually, I put it on. I put it on in September. I was very lucky to get another really, really important person with us, Barry, who, uh, Barry, who doesn't have social media, but he's the owner of Southside Gym in Sandyford. Um, when I came back from being away, with obviously no money and like no income and like sick, not being able to train, it's literally like I think I had two clients or something like that online. So I was really struggling at that point. He said, "Just get on the floor." He didn't ask me for any rent. Never asked me for rent. Uh, gave me the full use of the gym for free. Um, he never, he never asked me for anything ever. And he just said, "Just get people in there listening to what you have to say." And uh, sorry, and uh, I'll never, I'll, ne- I'll never forget. I'll never forget how, how important that was because. I put that seminar on a Saturday and Sunday, and it was bad getting told I'm going to be one of the most mentors, the most special moment of my entire life. I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget it. I had loads of people who I didn't know. I had loads of friends who I did know who just kind of knew of me, and they all came in and they mm-hmm. all joined the day. And you know, two of the people who were who were good friends of mine they ended up getting together. And you know, one of my friends who was there and the three or four ended up being clients. They all started working together. There was just this real collective um, potency within the crowd. And to this day, my friend Holly, uh, I don't know if you know who Holly Davage is. Holly's a really good friend of mine. She actually, she actually moved to Manchester. She actually lives in that apartment over there. <laughs> but, uh, she, uh, Following you. Yeah, she's a legend. I've got a few friends have moved over. And uh, yeah. I get a bit emotional now. No, I'm good. I'm good, though. Uh, she talks about it as one of the most special I think, I think, I think one of the big things there, though, as well, is I think you've, you've met a few people that have that maybe helped you along your journey, but potentially the reason they did that is because they've seen something, seen something there that maybe you, you didn't yeah, believe in or maybe didn't like didn't see, uh, and they, did, they didn't want to let just didn't want to let that sort of slip. And it's my, and I never really seen it. I, I never did. I can honestly say, like, I think I knew I was I was involved in things that other people weren't, like IE education and that kind of thing. You know, I think I knew I was involved in that to yeah. an extent, but like. For me, man, like that weekend was really, really special because I spent a long time organizing it. You know, I, I actually, yeah. I, think the, I think the original date for Muscle in the Masses, oh, sorry, ready, Muscle for the Masses was actually March. It was March or April. It was, yeah. It was, it was March yeah, it was March, April. March, yeah. It ended up going on in September. Three cancellations. Uh, I had fucking logo change. I had so much shit going on between there. I had all the material ready for a really long time. I just kept refining it and kept refining it and kept refining it. And then on the day, I was like, how the fuck am I going to put this on outside? I remember driving my little Hyundai Getz with no tax or insurance. <laughs> no tax or Hopefully I even make it there. <laughs> no tax, no insurance, and a provisional license out to rent a, out to rent a fucking uh, a projector. So I was like, shit, I don't have a projector the day before. And I went out, got one. And the, I was getting in the car. Like, do, you have a, do you have a screen? What do you mean? I was like, fuck, I need a screen. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that as well. The actually ended up giving it to me on the head. I remember that as well. I remember I put on the weekend. I 
ordered like I ordered like embroidered t-shirts, like ordered hoodies for everyone. Um and it was just a really special moment. Everyone like sitting out in the cold sometimes, just sitting there listening to me and uh it just it just flowed, man, and it just it all went so fucking well and it was just one of the most special points of my life and everyone was sharing it and I got a lot of traction off the back of it and you know, I would have directly quoted so anyone who I use for information, one of the biggest things you can know if you're ever gonna use someone else's information be on the internet or seminars, reference them at the end of it. Thank them for the use of their information. It's one of the big things that you can do in the industry that people don't do anymore. Um, so I thanked Luke and Carl and I thanked Larry and Barry and everyone else. And eventually I started getting shared around. So that was on the Saturday. And at that point in time, I was working for Castle. I was on a fucking high. I was on the biggest high of my life. You know, I was like, this was the best. I was organizing the next one. I was like, Muscle for the Masters Part 2. I was fucking... Yeah. <laughs> went home with breaks, had some food. We had an amazing evening. It was just so... It was just like the best... The best, the most exceptional feeling I've ever had in my whole life. And then Callum texted. Sounded like everything sort of came together. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So this is like the September. So at this point in time, you could, you, I still had no idea. About three weeks before the seminar, I said to Grace, I was like, I reckon if this goes well, I'll be asked to join the Muslim Mentors in about five years. That's what I said to her. I said that to her on the car, in the car. Because my dream was always yeah. to join the Muslim Mentors as soon as I went to that seminar. Yeah, I was just I, about to ask you. Wanted, was that always in your head? Like in my head all the time. I was like, I wanted to be. I didn't. It wasn't even necessarily being Muslim. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be that person. I wanted to be that kind of person. So, at that point in time, I did a lot of consulting with Luke. So, I like I would have consulted with Luke every couple of weeks to help me learn about the hypertrophy end of things. I would have consulted with Carl. I was consulting with lots of different people all the time. So I don't know, I still to this day, I haven't asked them. I probably will one day ask Luke, I'll ask him, like, when did you start looking at what I was doing? How, when did you know who I was? That kind of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, eventually I started doing all the consult and stuff like that. I remember saying to Grace, I was like, maybe a couple of years time they might ask me, but until then I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Um, I had all these other plans and all these other directions. It was never like a primary goal, never a primary goal. It was just something I thought about in the background. So Carl texts me on the Sunday after the seminar and he's like, yeah, I know you're busy after the seminar. Do you want to just do our check-in on, on Wednesday instead? We have a call every week. He goes, yeah, man, it's cool. Give me a couple of days to get organized and kind of review everything. Goes, yeah, cool, Grant. So he's okay, check in. Invitation came through and I opened the call and him and Luke were there. And I was like, you're like, shit, what have I done? That's what I thought. I thought initially, but then I was like, okay, Luke helped me with the concept. He's just going to ask, he's just, he's, just, he's just here to ask me how, how I got on, you know, because he obviously helped me a lot with the material. Me and Luke were kind of talking back and forth about massive Lord of the Rings fans. So we were kind of had a good working relationship. So I was sitting there, I was like, Grant, he went through it, kind of went through the normal information, like, how to go, how to go, how to go. He's like, Grant. And then one of that, when now I'm separately wanted to ask you something. So I was like, I was sitting at a desk like this, and my hands just started going. I, was like, no. I, was, I wasn't trying to convince myself of what's about to happen. I was trying to convince myself there's no way that they're about to ask you. Don't get excited. It's nothing. They're going to ask you to just, you know, yeah. do a guest lecture on the portal or be a guest on the portal. I thought that was what I was going to be asked to do. Come on and talk about my first experience at a seminar. So they were like, so we're expanding the team. So I mean, the hands that go, I was like, oh my fucking God. I was like, no way. I'm trying to keep yeah. I'm trying to be professional. I'm trying to be as cool as I fucking can. I am yeah. the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm the smart yeah. guy. So all of a sudden, the tears, the tears starts coming out of my eye. I'm like, no, just stop getting excited. This can't be it. And like, this is not. I don't know if you want to join the team. And I'll, I will never forget. I'll, I'll never, ever forget it. In a million years, I did. This is like, this is 10 years of work, you know, culminating. I took my headphones off and I bawled like a fucking baby. Like in front of the two of them, I cried and cried and cried and Cal was getting teary and Luke was crying. And I just, I couldn't, I'm at this point in time, right? I'm in a messy single bedroom down that we, the, the original, we used to be a kitchen that I converted to a bedroom. Um, I'm sitting in an office that I had this really weird moment a couple of months before. And I was like, I want my own office. I went on Facebook marketplace. I found free everything. 
so I could look like I had an office. And I was sitting there, no was shaking like a leaf, and I just put my headphones back on. And I was like, I'd love to. <laughs> I'll never be. I, After I bawled like a fool, oh. I just couldn't help. I couldn't show no gratitude. I was like, you have no idea what this means. Like, you have no idea. And yeah. I just kept shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking. And I was like, there's no fucking way this has happened. So they were like telling me all the information. They're like, yeah, all right. I'm like, yeah. And then Luke was crying again, and I was crying. And I just said to them, I was like, you have no idea how special this is for me in my life. Like, you have no idea. And to this day, I have zero problem with saying that that is the most important moment of my entire life. My whole life changed. My whole life changed. And I didn't know it changed. I didn't know how much it changed. And uh, yeah. I remember hanging up the call. And uh, I remember hanging it up the call and sitting there on my computer. And I slammed the computer down. And I, I screamed. I was like, Ma! <laughs> Get in here! So, you know, I live in a little hole in the state house in the middle of the mountains. Yeah, the, family, the whole estate comes over. Barrel, barrel into the sitting room. I was like, ma, ma, ma. I was like, ma. ma. She was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? She was like, ma. Because I turned on the call, I screamed, no fucking way. I said it to their face. My ma thought something terrible happened. So she was shitting herself in the sitting room. Right. So I was like, ma. She's grabbing my hand. She's like, it's okay, son. I'm like, grabbing my face. She's like, everything's going to be fine. I was like, man, they've asked me to be a muscle mentor. So she obviously had no fucking idea what that means. <laughs> she was like, lovely. Yeah. I was like, no, man, you have no idea what this is. She was like, everyone was going to show them, pull up the Instagram. I was like, these are the guys. These are getting on the whiteboard and everything and fucking. Um, they were all, I, was like, I was like, man, you have no idea how important this is. Like, I, I, I cannot explain how, much, how important this is. I kept telling her, I was like, going to buy you a Beamer. I was like, this is a fucking stupid show. Yeah. And then uh, eventually, with 20 minutes later, I was like, I should probably ring Grace. So to this day, yeah. I rang her, I had her on FaceTime, I pulled up my phone and I rang her and I was bawling. I was bawling. She was like, what's wrong? I was like, Grace, they've asked me to be a muscle mentor. And she hung up the phone. She was like, don't ever fucking lie to me again. <laughs> She's like, that's a stupid joke. You can't say that. And she was, she's, like, she's like, you're being cruel. I'm like, Grace, I'm not lying to you. I was fucking bawling down the phone. Like I was like, Matt, I was like, Grace, this is actually happening. This is true. So she was crying. I was crying. She has a she has screenshot. Actually, I might pull them up now. I was able to find them. She's the screenshot of me crying when I found out. Um, you know, and it's like no way. that's unbelievable. I, I probably will be able to find it. Um, actually, it won't take me too long either. But uh, when I eventually found out, obviously, it all kind of rolled from there. So I think it was like it was between September and December where it all kind of rolled into getting the contract. And I remember. I was waiting for the contract for so long. I was like, they're going to they're gonna decide that they don't want me anymore. They're going to decide they don't want me anymore. It's Longest wait in the world. That was going to what it was, man. I kind of felt as though, like, I was like, no, nah, this is, it's over. There's no need, there's no need for me to be thinking about this at all, you know? Yeah, look. <laughs> balling, my, balling my eyes out. Uh, like, genuinely, I was sitting there crying, crying and crying and crying. That's and funny. I just, That's I just couldn't, I genuinely, man, I couldn't believe it was happening. I remember, I remember sitting in my car then. What a moment. Yeah, I sit in my car telling everyone, I remember putting on close friends on Instagram. I never put anything on my close friends on Instagram. Just me laughing and crying to myself. Literally just sitting there just laughing and crying to myself. Like, How the hell is this how does this happen? Because I always say to people as well, I was like that that term that I use, you don't know what's happening until it's happening. You know, you really don't. Yeah. You don't you don't fucking realise and then something happens, you're like, What the fuck? You know, and it's that big culminatory moment where you're like, This is this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. And since then Yeah. Since then, I have been able to, you know, be quite comfortable in knowing that I can look after my family in a couple of years when I need to. I've been able to move out of my home. 
I live in a really gorgeous house in a really, really lovely part of Manchester. Um, you know, I have kind of like my own ability to look forward to the rest of my life and my career. Uh, and I can look at it real positively without having to question how it's, how it's going to go or kind of what I can do and what I can achieve because I know, I know what I can do now. You know, the Muscle Mentals has been this yeah. exceptional, d- has been this exceptional springboard for me that I, I can never ever thank Luke and Callum enough to this day and James and Paul and Ryan and Al. You know, they're just the most exceptionally talented human beings. And I'm just, yeah, I'm, it, I'm blessed. I was going to say, it just, it, it feels like though, just as you were talking through your journey there, it feels like everything was sort of, like all the sort of hard times, the education, the doing the things that people weren't doing, the casting the seminar and rescheduling it and doing mm-hmm. it outside and picking up the projector and all that sort of stuff, like led you to this moment. Yeah, that's and that's probably where that sort of you know, emotion come out. Like, yeah, do you know, yeah, but I get emotional thinking about it, but I have no problem getting emotional either. Do you know, like, do you know when you see in movies like those moments when it all just kind of comes together out of nowhere and, and it feels like all these different storylines kind of meet each other at the same time. If, if that's what it felt, yeah, like, that's yeah. what it felt like for me. And I was sitting there, I was like, it was like the most surreal moment. Because it's the kind of thing that doesn't happen to someone like me. You know, I, as I said, I come from a real small council state area, relatively low income, you know, and, you know, like no no kind of great shape coming out where I'm from. Do you know that kind of way? Like everyone kind of does the same, but exceptional people, like just real hard work and salt of the earth individuals from Dublin, kind of Dublin, Wicklow border. And, you know, people don't get the opportunities that I've got, you know, and... It's yeah. you know, anyone who's out there who's starting or is like in a place where you feel like the work isn't being or what, just fucking keep doing it. Like, just keep doing stuff. Yeah, it'll click at some point. Yeah, my mate Ryan Urkel, I don't know if you know Ryan Urkel, is Ryan Urkel is a client of mine and he, work, yeah. he works at Level Up. Works at Level Up. Exceptionally cool human being. Um, Ryan is like what I call super woke. The people who just understand the people and how they think. Ryan is like super woke. He's a, he's a legend. Um, Ryan made a really cool point the other day where, like, obviously he's in an earlier point of his career than I am. If you're in this and you don't really know what to do and you're in that point where you're just like, I want to move somewhere further, you want to go further afield, you want to just keep advancing your career, this sounds really elementary, but it's a really cool thing to think about. Just do stuff. Do stuff that's related yeah. to your job and getting better at it, whatever the fuck it is. Buy new sheets, read a book, you know, buy a textbook that's so otherworldly to what you want. Just do stuff. And that stuff will always move you a little bit further. I've got, I used to sit in my room. I borrowed a college level biochemistry textbook worth like 15, 1600, from a fella who used to work in Fly with me. Had no fucking idea what I was reading. No idea. But I just sat there and I read it every morning. I read the whole thing from the back. And, you know, I read the whole thing. I I, I, I probably don't use any of that information, but I just kept doing stuff, you know. And then yeah. that stuff. Instead, yeah, instead of standing still. Instead of standing still worrying about what's to, what to do next, just do something. Just do something. You have yeah. so, and even now, you know, this day in 2022, you can do so much shit that make you better at your job. And there's so many people out there who can help you get better at your job, you know. And then, like, eventually when I got to the most mentors, I was able to specialize. I was like, okay, what am I going to do yeah. now? What am I going to specialize in? I had this already kind of, so I, I jumped out. Obviously, muscle mentors is like synonymous with biomechanics. Every, I think everyone kind of thinks that, you know. But I kind of really jumped <laughs> biomechanics for a while. And I was already kind of into it at some point in time. It's a really cool thing to think about, kind of the physics of fitness, if you will. Like I said, like the muscle mentors, they gave me the opportunity to specialize and to marry all the shit that I've been thinking about. It's kind of one for one, one, you know. And I've, I've just, I've been exceptionally lucky. I went from this to just, <laughs> You know, it just, it just shot yeah. up immensely because one 20 minute phone call, one 20 minute phone call made 10 feel- of eating shit worth it. Honestly, man, that's all it was. I mean, like, Does it feel real yet? Yeah, man, it hasn't really gone down. 
hasn't the feeling, the feeling of that I have hasn't really gone away. You know, sometimes I kind of check, I can yeah. pinch myself. You know, and like, and like, don't get me wrong, man, I'm not like this like super successful kind of Lambo driving fucking Humvee kind of you know designer kicks everywhere you go. I'm not that kind of fella, but I have the opportunity to be in front of and work with people. You know, and like, I have this. There's a draw to my name, you know, which I never mm-hmm. ever thought I'd be able to have in my entire life. And it's allowed me to do things and to set things up and to think about think think about think so far into the future. I've never been able to think any further than two months ahead. I can honestly say that when I was when I was when I was because I didn't have the money to think about two months ahead. It's just, it's, yeah, you probably had that constant worry month to month. Yeah, that was that's what it was. I had no money. Like, I had nothing. Like you know, I had money here. I had money here and there. You know, the other day I got hit money there. there. When summer, I would save, go to a festival with lads. Sporadic, sporadic <laughs> income. I would have sporadic income. My tax bill wasn't very high. you know know, and like it's it's one of those things man where like don't worry about where you are now if you're doing the work to put where you want to be later you know i'll say that with every bit of gusto that i can you know like it's it's when i say don't worry i think i don't i don't want to say anything that anyone takes on the chin like saying oh i don't need to worry i just need to do stuff you know if you have the opportunity to invest please do like i i hope i would i genuinely hope that everyone listening to this is in a better financial situation than I was at that point in time, you know? And I can honestly say, man, that just pure want and passion kept me moving. It wasn't what was in my pocket. You know, I, I, at one stage when I was doing PT, I was okay for a little while, and then it dipped off again. I went from like 70 hours of PT to like four hours of PT within like a couple of days, just based off circumstance. And at that point I was doing okay. I had enough to kind of keep me going for a couple of weeks, and I had to go do some really horrible rudimental jobs that I hated. And like, even when I was talking about kind of where I'd done, where I started, there was other things that I left out when I just there. Uh, you know, there was other points in time where you just kind of have to, you just kind of have to do the shit thing, you know? Yeah, get through certain periods. Yeah, man, there is that kind of sacrifice. And sometimes it is long-term sacrifice, you know, for long-term reward. And that's the reality of the situation, you know? But if you can just kind of continue to center yourself and continue to focus on where you are, it does help a lot, you know, you like. Um, it is one of those things where you will find yourself coming out the other side of it, you know? And... There is that idea of if you keep doing the things that are going to allow you to get to where you want to go, you'll eventually get there. It's just, it's, it's, it has to, it has to happen. It literally has to happen. You know, there's infinite opportunities on social yeah. media now, more than there's ever was when I started. I'm not trying to be like the, you know, the old man cranking kind of attitude because I'm not old at all. I'm only 26. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty young. I just, started, yeah. I just, I just started super young. Um, so I've been doing it long enough to kind of be able to yeah. recognize what the industry is like, you know, and it's, uh, it, it, man, the ability to, and the, the opportunities for coaches, to make exceptional livelihoods is 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 unbelievable. Yeah. It really, really is. You will net. You're not in contact in competition with fucking anyone. People are like, oh, it's a saturated market. Yeah, no, there's a lot of fucking PTs. There's fuck all really good ones. There's fuck all. Yeah, I mean, that's. I, that from a, I remember. Yeah, I can't remember who it was actually. Um, but basically, that yeah, that's what they said. They were like, people say that the industry is saturated, uh, and it's only saturated if you're shit. Yeah, exactly. that's the way they put it. Exactly. I, 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 Larry told me that years ago when I first started. I was like, there's so many coaches. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, but there's fuck all good ones. And that's all, that's all I needed. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to go be a good one then. And that was all I needed. Yeah, I'm going to be good. Yeah. I'm going to go be, go be good. Just go and be good. Like, it seems, seems so simple, but just go and be shit hot at your job. Like be an exceptional coach. Yeah. If you're an exceptional coach, you will be you will you will be an exceptional coach, and you will do the things that exceptional coaches do. Yeah, you're sort of head to the same point, no matter exactly. even if you took detours, like yeah, and everyone takes detours. You know, everyone. 
everyone takes detours mm-hmm. for a while. There were periods of time where I was making no money and I was like, well, I'm like, I don't want to do this for me a couple of weeks or I was a little bit on and off. But I honestly say that that want never left. It really, really didn't. That unrelenting want to keep doing what I was doing never, ever left. You know, and it still hasn't left. Yeah. It really, really hasn't, man. It still hasn't left. And I'm, I'm, I'm nearly, I nearly want it more now than I ever have. You know, because yeah. this is like... The, I, I've been, I've been made, I was, again, like I said, to you, I was never, I didn't ever want to be the big fish. You know, I think if I was to look back and maybe people were to look from an external view, maybe I was one of the coaches at home. I was one of the guys from, at least from social yeah. media perspective, you know, my pocket, definitely not. But if I had social media, was, <laughs> I was probably the guy who knew what the things were, you know, that kind of thing. And now, yeah. now I am, now I'm, now then last, last, just sorry, the previous January, not this January, previous January, I was, I was the little fish. There was like, here you go. Here's the, yeah. here's the UK, and you're the little lawyer's guy. Go show us how good you can be. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, start again. That's like, exactly. I just got to start again. I was like, this is fucking class. <laughs> you know? I was like, okay, let's go, <laughs> let's go be the big fish here. You know, And that's what it is. And as soon as I'm the big fish here, I'll move on. Now, I don't think I'll ever be the big fish here. The UK is one of the most exceptional places in the world for coaching. I would definitely say that I've been, I've been given the opportunity to kind of be the little fish again. And I, I thrive in that environment. That's what I wanted. I don't want anyone. I want to go somewhere and nobody know who I am. But then leave there with a handful of people yeah. knowing who I am and wanting to know who I, what I'm doing. Not because I'm deadly what I do and I want everyone to know how great I am, but I want to be able to show people that I can give them things. And I can, I can, and that's what you're, you as a coach should always be on that aspiration. You should always be trying to show people what you can give, not because you want to show them, but because you want to give it to them. You know, because that's the difference. Like, mm-hmm. Going and telling people like, how great you can be and how great you are coaching is, is different. Show them, show them. Don't tell me, show me. You know, and hopefully one day I'll yeah. be able to bring, I'll be able to mentor a lot more coaches than I already do. And I'm going to start doing a little bit more now in the new year. Um, so I used to do a bit of mentoring. I just had to pack it off because my coaching got so busy. And, you know, one thing I'll always say to them is like, I'm not going to show you anything. You know, sorry, I'm not going to tell you anything when I show you. You know, and that's the difference. Mm-hmm. If you can show me, that's going to be the difference. You know, there's, there's, there's telling people yeah. and there's showing people. And showing people is going to get you so much more for us, so much for us. It is easy to, to talk the talk, um, but as you say, walking the walk is, and again, no pun intended, I'm, I'm going to bring that up now in a wee minute, but... Um, <laughs> now that you mention <laughs> I suppose moving on a wee bit, um, you mentioned sort of uh, Manchester and stuff, so why, why, why Manchester? Uh, the rent is cheap, I'm only joking now. <laughs> nah. So, Cal used to um, so I'm not just following Cal. Okay. Now, admittedly, like, I talk about Cal because I really look up to Cal massively. Callum and Luke gave me every opportunity I have, and Callum in particular were very, very close. We're on the same path, so I look up to him massively. But I, 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 when I when I joined the Muscle Mentors in September, I had this thing. I was like, I can't stay in Dublin. My little sister was pregnant at the time with my the most beautiful nephew on earth. You know, I just I said I'm that guy now. Um, you know, my brother was at home. My brother was working from home. My sister was working from home and pregnant. My brother's girlfriend was often in the house. My dad was in the house. My mom was in the house. The dogs were in the house. My girl, my brother. Things were just happening. It's just a massively busy house. And I was trying to run a business from my bedroom where I not only did I sleep, I slept there, I trained there, I worked there, and I gamed there. I was a big gamer at the time. I still, I still dip in and out gaming, but uh, I need to get out of here. I know I need to. <clears throat> and uh, Cal was like, why did you look at Manchester? Originally, I was looking at Marbella. I looked at Dubai. Um, but like that kind of flashy fucking shot, it just does not appeal to me at all, man. I'm just not into it. I think people who live in those places, yeah. they, they, they can only sustain it for so long. It's a, it's a big, I think it's like a, a geoflex, you know, it's like a geography. I actually, I actually went over to Marbella there, um, from last, last September to the end of the year. Yeah. Um, just again, wanted, wanted to get out of the house, didn't know where to go. Yeah. A lot of people make it look as if it's this like 
sort of mini Dubai and yeah. flashy and stuff. And I think I think that's an illusion, kind of like Port of Manus Port and stuff. Yeah, it it is the port, like and stuff. But see, if you, ten minutes walk outside of that, it's it's quite normal. Like I'm, we lived just outside Port of Manus, um, and it was absolutely amazing, really calm, relaxing area, totally. normal sort of Spanish people and stuff. And and then if you wanted, you could go down to the port. Can we put off it by the sort of influencers making it look all flashy and stuff? I think. I've never been there. Uh, yeah. so like my perception is from the outside looking in. Um, yeah, it's just never really been my thing. I'm not sure, yeah. I'm sure I've sure went there, but like sick, do you know that kind of way. Um, but the whole Dubai thing was never really for me. Yeah. So eventually I was like, right, why don't we try Manchester? So in December of that year, um, sorry, November, was it December? Sorry, mid December, um, Carl was like, come over to see me and we'll get some content and go do your announcement and that kind of thing. So um, we went over. Went over, started in London, went to go see Grace's sister for a couple of days, and then we went up to Burton. Um, and then we were going to go to Manchester afterwards for looking at apartments. So I went to Carl's, filled some YouTube videos. It was also at that point, I'm not sure if you follow Grace at that point. Grace, this is my first time meeting Carl in person. Grace went and dropped a 50 kilo plate on her toe and shattered her entire, shattered her entire toe into smithereens. Where to make an introduction? Like smithereens. And I didn't even know. We were filming at the time, and I left. I was like, Where's Grace? And the owner of the gym was like, we, we brought her to hospital. I'm like, so I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> what? Yeah, what's and going on? The whole time smashing the smithereens. So at that point, it was a pain in the ass because we drove a rental car. And I had no, I had no license at the time. So Grace couldn't drive the car then. So we had to be in the car in London. So we then had to ring sixth. We were on the phones over fucking hours. We had to go, someone from London had to come and collect the car there. And it was a pain in the hole. Then we had to get the, Manchester, the, the train to Manchester. And Grace was absolutely doused up on painkillers. So, so it was, because she wasn't a, a UK resident, they couldn't obviously give her the full free healthcare. So they just kind of reset her toe and then told her to go to the hospital when she gets home. She ended up getting, she ended up, <laughs> oh man, it was a, she ended up getting like swells and infections. It was fucking a pain in the arse. But eventually we got the match up there and I looked at my very first apartment here, very first one, a place called Angel Gardens. Um, and he was thinking about anyone who has a relative budget and wants to move over to Manchester somewhere nice. Angel Gardens is sick. Um, went to Angel Gardens, 27th floor, looked at the view. I was like, yeah, here's my card. I was, I was, I was ready to go. I was doing it. I swear <laughs> to God, I was like, no, I'm here. I'm in. Um, super, super kind of bougie, real protective, really, really nice. Now you pay for it. You definitely pay for it. Um, like that was far, definitely one of the more expensive places. And then like yeah. the price was, I got this incredibly bougie apartment block, cinema, pool, fucking spa, gym. Like uh, Jack Graylish lives there. Um, you know, fucking um, Killian Murphy from the Peaky Blinders lives there. Donny Vanderbeek lives there. No way. Uh, yeah, man. I was, I was walking around and I just walked down and just fucking the Killian Murphy in the lobby. You were just one of the gays. <laughs> no, I never, you never got to speak to them. Like, uh, you know, and then the Donny, the Donny Vanderbeek be walking around and he'd be walking around like you're trying to make 170k a week. You know, that kind of way. It's like just nuts. Yeah, it's your neighbor. Like also, they, they lived in like the penthouse at the top floor. I wasn't, that, I wasn't, I wasn't on that kind of money spec. Man, at least not yet. But, um, so we were living in the twenty seventh floor. It's incredible apartment block. Um, I just found a love of Manchester, man. I love it. I, I genuinely love it here. The people are unbelievably lovely. The cost of living is incredibly reasonable. Like you know what we're like, what Europe. But I live, I live now. I still rent. I'm still on the rental market. I haven't bought a house over here. I probably will buy an apartment over here and then kind of use it and just kind of rent it out then, kind of be a landlord. Um. Like when I'm, when yeah. I live in a two-story, like new, like two year. My house is two years old, like two-story, two-year-old house, massive area. Anyone see pictures of my house? It's like it's a nice house, you know. And I pay probably, yeah. probably forty percent of what I pay for the same thing in Dublin, and it's in the middle of the city centre. So I at my door, turn right, and I'm in the one of the busiest areas in Manchester, you know. And it's just you, you cannot beat it. And then obviously the gyms. 
I've trained at FLF Performance Center, which anyone has seen it is one of the coolest gyms and probably in the UK. It's privatized, so it's, in your, it's a private gym, so you pay for your membership. You know, it's still like people can come in and out, but it is private. It's like a hundred quid. It's like hundred quid a month. But it is the coolest. Yeah, well, not be as busy as it Sickest, and it's the coolest fucking environment. Um, a guy called Rayhan runs the gym, and James runs the gym. If you ever find yourself in Manchester, go buy a day pass. Tell them I sent you. It's fucking sick. It's the coolest environment you'll ever go to. Um, and I trained there. It's like five minutes up the road. And I think for me, man, I just I needed to be in a space where it was unfamiliar. You know, I needed that. I needed that lack of familiarity. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, a lot of nomads live in Manchester. A lot of people who work from their computer. A lot of, it's, it's, you don't see old people. It is the most fucked up thing. You just don't see them. You don't see old people. It's weird. You see the odd one? I mean, you do. <laughs> you know? we, we moved them out to Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, man. It's just, it's just so peculiar. Because it's such a young city, everyone is between 23 and 26. Everyone you see. It's so fucked up, man. It's really weird. It's, it takes a while to get used to. Like I walk in, so I live in, I live yeah. in Dallas, Manchester. So I live in New Islington Marina. Um, it's about kind of 15 minutes away from the Etihad campus, which is a cool place as well. But it's also on the border of a place called Ancoach, which is like one of the coolest cities in the city. Now, a couple of years ago, it was really run down. The whole area was really run down. But now it's like the epicenter of youth. And it's just a really fucking cool place to live, man. Like, I love it over here. Because I'm, I'm from the mountains. I'm from the hills. I know cows. I know forests. You know, yeah, so I, this is new. Like... Yeah, exactly. I know everyone who I see, everywhere I go, wherever I walk, when I'm back home. But here, I'm in the middle of the scene. Yeah. That was that was a really scary thing for me. Like, admittedly, I was anxious as, like, obviously, with my preconceived conditions as well. And I was super fucking anxious. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, yeah. I'm in the city. I was very lucky to live in a really, really privatized, safe apartment block where nobody could come in. Not that I ever thought that they would or ever. Really, yeah. Who the fuck's going to send to me? I'm fucking 115 kilos. You know, not, yeah. No one's going to come to me and try to fucking steal that from me. You know, unless it's my food or something. Um, so, like, I was just very, very lucky to come in and kind of be. And then after a couple of weeks, man, I just, everything settled. The people are just so fucking lovely here. Like, every, and is the plan long term? Uh, I don't know, man, if I'm honest with you. Like, I'm. I, I'm, I'm relatively patriotic, you know, like I, I love being from Dublin. I love being from Ireland. I'm not, I'm, I'm not like anti-English by any stretch of the imagination. That's if that was, I wouldn't be here like taking her money, do you know, that kind of way. That's not the idea behind it. But like, I am exceptionally proud of where I'm from. I'm a very proud Irish person and I love being from Ireland. I love saying that I'm from Ireland. I love saying that I'm from, particularly from where I'm from. I live in a place called Stepside. It's very unlikely that anyone's going to know Stepside listening to this, but Stepside is the coolest fucking place. Obviously for me it is. Um, it's just this really small community yeah. of people. Um, it's not as small as it used to be. Obviously, when I was growing up, it was a lot smaller. There was very few people there. And I just, I love being from there. I just love being from, I love being an Irish person. You know, uh, I'm exceptionally proud. Yeah. Of proud to be Irish. Yeah, I am. I'm exceptionally proud to be Irish. Exceptionally proud. And I want to bring my kids up. Now. It's, it's, was Grace from, where's, is Grace from Dublin Grace as from well? Dublin, Grace from a place called Kilmacud. Grace, Grace yeah. is from the posh side of Dublin. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grace's family are massive in sport. Grace is part of the fact that family okay. who are huge in sport from Dublin, uh, and she's they're, they're an exceptionally, exceptionally cool family. Um, but uh, so like I think for me, the net like we we got we got a year's lease on this place, so we're here for at least a year. Here at least at least next October. Um, so I think I think after that, I I'm gonna have a dog by that stage. I'll get a dog pretty soon. And um, hopefully, my mother's listening to this. I haven't told her yet. Um, <laughs> so, it's a crazy story as well, but uh, I'm getting a dog soon. So, everyone we go has to be pet friendly. I don't think I'm going to be in a space by the end of next year to be ready to move back home uh, and be there permanently. Yeah. You know, I'm still only 26. 
Um, I think what I want to do is potentially move. I'd like to stay in Manchester, potentially move out of this house, maybe downsize a little bit, um, but get a nicer place to live. I don't know what I want to do. I, at least the next three or four years, I'd say. Um, actually, probably not even. It's two or three years at least. And then when I feel as though I've got the savings that I need to either A, buy a house or B, set a mortgage or build a house, then I will do that back home. Um, and hopefully I can do that in Stepside, which is prime real estate now, unfortunately. Um, not unfortunately, it's great, but Stepside's a really popular area, really an area that everyone wants to live in. So I'd say the next two yeah. or three years at least, mate, um, unless something crazy changes. But because of the way my career is going, the development of that, and the athletes that I coach are all UK, I kind of need to be here. You know? Makes sense, just... Yeah. yeah, exactly, man. And that's, that's really it, man. Like it's, it's it's a cool place to be. I'd advise anyone who's like interested in going to the UK, if you're kind of thinking that London is the only place to go, you know, pray tell, I fucking hate London. I hate it. I hate it. I, yeah, I hate it. It's too, it's too go, go, go. It's, it's too, there's yeah. so much fucking shit going on all the time. Everyone's moving at 100 miles an hour. In Manchester, yeah, walk over you. Everyone, man, Manchester's the, if anyone likes the idea of moving to the UK, but somewhere where people are like they are back home, come to the north. Be it Newcastle, be it uh, yeah. Liverpool, be it Manchester. They're just really fucking cool people. And uh, Manchester yeah. has a very special place in my heart now. It really, really does. And I'll never forget my time here at all. Um, it's it's just such a sick place to be. It's just full of cool people. Um, and it's just got everything you could possibly need. And you see lots of cool shit. Like, it's city living, you know, so you see lots of mad shit. Um, but it, it'll, it'll put maturity on you. You know that kind of way, and I think you grow up as a person when you live a little bit further away from home. I've definitely grown up massively, and I have a certain level of independence. I've always been somewhat independent, but I think I've always had a lot of help from my family when I needed it. So now that I'm in a position to be away and I can now help my family, it's a very special thing. Because my biggest, yeah. I think that's part of the question as well. Kind of what my biggest career goal is. My, my biggest career goal is to to know that my family are quote unquote taken care of. You know, that's my biggest thing. Yeah, turn the tables. Yeah, but that's really it, man. Like if anything crops up, that my nephew needs help. Or that, like, he wants to go to college and the struggle to get, I, I, it's there, it's done, it's ready to go, you know, and as I can help his mom out. My, my, my sister is a very, very special girl. Um, I'm obsessed with my sister. She's just, uh, she's just exceptionally, I'm very proud of her for having the baby and coming from where she did. She had some issues as well. So very, very proud of my sister and then my brother as well. So I've got two brothers. I've got a younger sister. Both of my brothers are older than my mom, my dad, and my whole family are just like that. And uh, we're just, I'm very, very lucky to have yeah. a very close connection to my family. And, uh, you know, my biggest thing is yeah. that when the time ever comes and if it ever comes and fucking pray tell, hopefully it never does for any of them, if somebody needs something and there's a big price tag in front of it, that I can help them look after it. It's never, it's never going to be a thing that we can't do that thing. Do you know? So that's kind of where my career aspirations yeah. are from a financial perspective. I don't, I don't want to be a millionaire. I don't want to make whatever. I don't, that, that, that label, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Um, I can try, I can genuinely say I don't give a shit. If I can just enough not to worry. Yeah, if I can have a family and I know that they're never gonna have to worry about anything and I can look after my own family and they're the same, I'm happy. You know, I'm I'm, I'm happy as a I'm happy as a big show. Yeah. I'd also love to I'd love to have an athlete, you know, make it to the Olympia and do well. Um that's what I'd like to do as well. I'd love to have, like to have that done in the next couple of years. But that's really it, man. And then just in terms of then, um obviously we we mentioned it a wee bit, but the, the walk walk the walk series on YouTube and stuff, the whole starting YouTube and stuff, what what what's the idea behind it? Um what is the aim for it? I'm I'm notoriously shit for producing content. Um and my girlfriend she's like, You have so much shit in your head that you never talk about it. And honestly it's where it's it's true. I really don't. I don't talk nearly enough about what I know and I should. But I mean, I'm just too busy with coaching, or I use what I know within the coaching space. So it's within a Loom video, or 
you know, it's an impassive conversation for people like yourself. Obviously, this wasn't an educational podcast. It was more like about me. It's the first podcast I've ever done like that before, by the way. I've never done a podcast about me in my life. Um, so this is always, this is a new one. But um, <laughs> the Walk the Walk, right? The Walk the Walk came about because, A, I needed to produce content, but I didn't want to do it. So I teamed up with Jay Davies, who always known as Magic Eye Media, who is just an incredibly, incredibly talented videographer from Wales, also the greatest accent on earth. Um, and just an exceptionally, exceptionally <laughs> talented human being. And teamed up with Jay, who'd already done some work with Cal, even a lot of work with uh, Jordan Peters, um, who was obviously trained by JP. A lot of work with some really, really well-known athletes and just kind of brands in the past. And I said to Cal, I was like, why don't I document the rest of the off-season of the prep? I'm just going to throw some education into it in the mix. And he's like, 100% I would do it. So I said to Jay, I was like, why don't we start doing this? So Walk the Walk, Walk the Walk is a kind of, it's a documentative look at, you know, me as a person, I suppose, um, how I kind of run my coaching business, how I balance that coaching business with being a bodybuilder. And then it's really a really big part of it is about the people who are around me. And um, that's a big thing for me because, mm -hmm. you know, my career and bodybuilding, I, I said this in the first episode, you know, bodybuilding isn't my life. The bodybuilding makes my life so much better. You know, it really, really does. It makes my life what it is and it makes my life so special. And the people around me are part of that bodybuilding space and they're the people that make it so special for me. My girlfriend, Grace, is the most amazing person in the world. Uh, Callum, obviously, is an exceptional person. He's part of my space. Oscar Young, um, who's also the young 4040 on the Instagram. People know, people know who Oscar is. Most people know who Oscar is. These are the people who right now are just making my circle mm -hmm. so special, you know, that kind of way. And, you know, obviously my family and my friends and Luke and, you know, and like all the rest of the team, but they're, they're just, they're making it what it is for me. And I wanted to document all that. So it's like, it's a combination whereby I'm documenting the prep, I'm documenting the off season, I'm hopefully educating people in the first place. I want people to get a little bit of who I am. Like, although I kind of put myself in the educational space, I would kind of quote unquote call myself a bit of a messer. You know, I like to have a bit of crack of people, I like to mess around with it, kind of be myself. So it's all about kind of combining that and, you know, kind of bringing all that together for what is walk the walk, which where I want to walk the walk of the bodybuilder. That's the whole point that I want to show you that I can talk the talk, but I can also walk the walk. And that's the idea. The idea is to show that the actual yeah. steps to be a great athlete can be done. And I will do them and I will show you that they'll do them. Because like I said to you, that, you know, I'm not the most genetically gifted bodybuilder in the world and I know that, but I don't know. And I can honestly say this, I don't know many people who work harder than I will. I, I really don't. I don't know, but you, you won't. You won't. Very few people will get into the gym and train like I will. They just won't do it because I, I yeah. put myself in the place where I'm like, if I can't be, the, if I can't be the best bodybuilder, I'll train like the best bodybuilder. You know, so like, don't get me wrong. I have bad sessions here and there. I miss out here and there. But overall, you'll, you like, I, I won't. You won't get into the gym and find many people who are doing what I'll do with the same intensity that I'll do it. You know, because it's what I, it's what I do. And yeah, it's the way I look at training. Training for me is this. It's, it's this space. It's a training for me is a place, you know, it's a place that you go almost. And I'm not trying to get too kind of, um, kind of stoic on it to a certain extent, but it is for me, training is like a place where you go. It's a, it's, it's this kind of opportunity that you have to be better. And it's a very finite thing. It's a fleeting thing that you have this kind of one and a half hour block to be the best you could possibly be in every single second that you're doing it. Cause that's really what training is for me. It's like this opportunity to be perfect. You know, it's this opportunity to be better. And it's a really cool thing for me to think about. And that's kind of walk the walk is all about. And walk the walk is about kind of documenting that. So documenting the training, the process, the people, and then obviously the plans. And that's kind of where it is for me. So you can find that on YouTube. The second video literally came out there yesterday. Um, so for the part two, yeah. part one and two are going to be out. So looking kind of roughly every three to four weeks is going to be a video. As my prep actually kicks into gear, I'll likely make that every three weeks. Um, and then I'll, I'll also feature on some of Callum's videos as well. So you'll often see me on those training with him and that kind of thing. But you'll see a lot of people, a lot of kind of processes and 
for me, it's all about kind of making it very entertaining as well. I don't want people, I don't want to just sit there and you just watch me train for an hour, which is what a lot of these edits are. Like, I want to be able to speak to people, talk to them, you know, be somewhat kind of, um, yeah. somewhat expressive, you know, the kind of way so that we can kind of crack on with that. But that's really what that is, man. And I'm loving it so far. I never thought I'd be into it because I, I, as I said to you, content isn't really my thing, but um, I've been really, really enjoying it. Yeah, well, I haven't had to do anything. I simply pay Jay and he does it all for me. You know, and it's like, it's, it's great. Yeah, he just follows you. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, that's kind of what it is, man. He just comes in and Jay's like, just Jay's also really, really cool. Jay's not only, Jay's also a bodybuilder himself. So he knows how we all think, you know, and he just has this incredible eye. Things that other people just don't see, he sees. And he's like, I'm going to use that. I'm going to do this. And he's showing he's yeah, he, doing them. And obviously, content. He has a particular sort of way. Yeah, and, and, and the tra- like this really transitions unique, like... and the music choices and, you know, the use of kind of certain effects yeah. that aren't too much. It's just, really 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 cool things that he's doing so walk the walk is like is like my next kind of thing that i'm doing it's going to be focused when you come kind of, well i say that coaching is also focused but that's going to happen in the background and it's creating a little bit of accountability for me as yeah. well kind of cool. yeah no it's cool as well it gives like for someone like me in the outside no it gives us better insight into you and how you, how you sort of operate and stuff as well i noticed because I, I suppose um like like you've mentioned already in the podcast like in terms of content and stuff you'd be quite not quiet, but like you don't see much of an insight into, as you said, your circle and stuff, and um, you as a person and stuff. So um, that that was one of the reasons, obviously, I wanted to get you on the podcast here as well. But to see you document and stuff will be exciting as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think I'll pretty much wrap us up. <laughs> uh, you're you're quite a busy person, like so. Uh, I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, I think that there's a there's a lot there people can take away, um, especially for any sort of young coaches coming up. Um, and anyone that's maybe sort of struggling and thinking like this isn't working for me even uh give them that bit of hope which which i think is a really good message from this here as well and just from yourself thanks very much for taking the time out as well for this here uh on the busy schedule uh, i really really appreciate that and just for people that maybe don't know where to find you and stuff do you want to go ahead and plug yeah, yourself sure, man. Uh, first of all you're very welcome um as well so it's, it's a pleasure to be on that you're a really cool guy and i can see you taking a similar journey to my own so just keep doing your thing um, so yeah, man. So you can find me on Instagram predominantly. So it's at Ross the Muscle Mentors. Um, so anything you want to kind of speak to me about, or just kind of figure out what I'm doing, you can follow me there. Obviously on YouTube, if you look up my name, Ross Byrne, um, or just Ross Byrne Walk the Walk, you'll start seeing some of the series that I'm putting out. So the first two episodes are always going to get an insight into me and kind of how I'm running things. That's where you'll find it. And if anyone ever wants to speak to me about any kind of consultation or even just ask me a question, I'll never charge anyone to ask me a question. Um, so I'm not looking to plug this like a sales thing. If you ever want to just run anything by me. Please don't hesitate to DM me. Please don't hesitate to email me. I'm always happy to go back and forth and help anyone that I can. So Ross at the most mentors.co.uk is where you'll find me from an email perspective. But honestly, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, anyone who doesn't want to find more about me, that's how you do it. But really, really well done, dude. Thanks for having me. Cheers. No, um, yeah, definitely. Anyone that, that does want to sort of develop themselves as a coach, definitely, definitely get following Ross there and listen to what he has to say. But anyway, guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. And um, please, obviously, drop it a rating, a review, whatever you do. I'm not really sure what you do on all these platforms now. Um, but yeah, I uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, but for now, we are out. <laughs>